Horror in the House of Salons, here to save the day. Vamps and zombies, ghosts and werewolves, make them go away. Let's talk about your favorite movies, have some laughs and fun. Then when you're scared of deep, dark shadows, you won't need to run. Morning is coming, there's nothing more to fear. You can come out to play. Brian and Jamie, remember, are always here. And that's all there is to say. Hello, horror fans, and welcome to Halloween in the House of Salmons. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 Yes, it is. And this is the Halloween special of 2022. Yay! And you guys who've been around for a while, you know that every Halloween we do a theme. Uh, you know, a lot of people do the 31 Days of Halloween in various forms or another. Some people use it to watch movies they've never seen or various things or whatever. We just do a different theme every year. And this year... What did we come up with, Brian? We came up with planes, trains, and automobiles. Why? Don't know. I just like the title. Uh, and then I started thinking about it, going, hmm, I wonder if we could do that, if there were enough good, decent movies to fill that out. And so, yeah, there are. Uh, what we decided to do was do ten movies with planes, 10 movies with trains and 10 movies with automobiles. That equals 30 days because we always watch the same set schedule of films on Halloween itself. For why we picked planes and trains and automobiles, it was just to do it. There's no real... It just sounds good. ...deeper meaning behind it. It was just... I wanted an excuse. Like Jamie said, we always do a themed setting. It's more interesting than just... 30 horror films, which is all fine and good, but we like to challenge ourselves. Yeah, well, and, well, I was going to say, we don't ever have theme watches, but you did the entire second season of ABC's. Well, yeah. <laughs> but typically, we watch horror movies all the time, like most of you guys. Yeah. You know, you guys are horror fans, so you know the drill. It's not like, and it... Every year it cracks me up. There's always one person who says, well, I don't need to do that. I watch horror every day anyway. Good for you. Yes, very good. You are so Most cool. of us do. <laughs> we do too. But what we like about Halloween time is the challenge. Yeah. You know, we, we challenge ourselves to see, can we find 30 movies that fit this theme and will they all be good? And, uh, and plus it's the thing... Uh, it is hard to watch a movie consistently every day for an entire month. You don't think it is because, oh, it's only an hour and a half, two hours out of your life. But, you know, life comes up. Life gets in the way. So to keep on track and to keep everything going, it is a commitment. Mm -hmm. Now, I've been doing 30 days of watching, and I've always done it exactly the same. I've always done 30 with some kind of theme, and then the Halloween has its very specific watches. We always do Halloween 1, 2, 3, Trick or Treat, 
Uh, usually we squeeze in WNUF in there somewhere. We've added the new Halloween 2018 mm-hmm. to the mix. I mean, it's grown very extensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I've been doing this in some version or another since 2005. I think was the first time. And that was when I was working for a website. And that was part of my job was I had to, uh, I would put out articles. And so I started doing the themed Halloween watches during Halloween one year because I was like, well, that's an easy way to get article ideas during the busy season of Halloween. And I, I think the first one I did was... I did a week of zombies, and then I did a week of vampires, and then I did a week of werewolves, you know, things like that. I didn't really keep track of my themes, though, until you and I got together. And then starting in 2015, which was the first Halloween that I lived up here, we've been keeping track. So what are the Halloweens from our past, our past together? Well, in, uh, starting in 2015, we had Halloween all October long, and that was when we watched a Halloween-themed movie. Uh, well, it had to take place on Halloween, mention Halloween, you know. Deal with Halloween, like mm-hmm. the, you know, trick or treat, or even trick or treat, the right. heavy metal, you know, right. uh, 1980s movie. So every movie we watched were specifically about in some way, Halloween. Yep. Then in 2016, we did Best Halloween Ever. It's the best Halloween ever! And that was when you and I just alternated picking movies that we loved. Yes. You know, uh, like the very best movies, uh, like American Werewolf in London, or Alien, or Or The the Exorcist, or The Thing. You know, it was just our favorite Favorite horror movies of all time, and we just did them, you know, back-to-back for... 30 days. Yeah. Then in 2017, we did Passport to Halloween, which was all foreign films. That was fun. I don't need a real excuse to watch decent horror films from different lands. And I think we specifically, we didn't count Canada. Yeah. It was, actually, I don't know if we counted Mexico either. I think we excluded North America. Now, did we count the UK or did we? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of them ended up being from Japan and Italy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but we did, we were kind of all over the place. Yeah. Oh, and we had several Norwegian films in there. Of course. Because that's my heart. But yeah, we specifically didn't include Canada only because they are so integrated with American films. Most people right. don't even know, you know, that this horror film from the 80s was actually made by Canadians, and, you know, unless they can hear the accents or something. Mm-hmm. So, uh,. Yeah, that was fun. Then in 2018, we did Halloween Redux, which was 30 remakes. Yeah, as if you've listened to our show most recently, you had heard us discuss remakes that are as good, if not better, than the originals. So you know there are quite a few really good remakes. So we picked 30 of them and watched them. And that was a very, that was a surprisingly easy list to make. It was, they just kind of fell out. It was so easy to do. And hell, what year is that? That was 2018. So that was back in 2018. Mm -hmm. Now there's only more remakes. (laughs) Uh, Then in 2019, we did Haunted Halloween, which was ghost movies. Yeah, the house movies. That one was relatively simple, but... 
It's a favorite genre of mine. I know I give a lot of love to Lovecraftian horror, and of course everybody loves slashers, and so do I, but I also love haunted house slash ghost movies, and I just wanted to do a whole month of that. Well, yeah, and you're like me in that if something's going to affect you, it's going to be the paranormal, yes. you know? I love or all... the supernatural. I love all flavors of horror movie, and, you know, it doesn't have to be... I, bloody, sure, you know, suspenseful, whatever. But if you want to have the best chance to actually affect me, to make me afraid of something, nine times out of ten, it's going to be ghosts, haunts, spirits, and even like The Exorcist kind of, you know, anything of a spiritual type nature. Uh, that's what affects me the most. Me too. Then in 2020, we did Halloween is King, which was Stephen King adaptations yes. all month long. That was a lot of fun. I mean... It's varied, you... at least. I mean, yes. was, you know, it goes all I over he, the place. He's not a one-trick pony when it comes to horror. Plus, you got a lot of really great movies in yes, there. Yes, like you can easily find some Christine. excellent movies. You can find a lot of bad ones, too. And I picked a few bad ones just for, like, Maximum Overdrive. It's not a good movie, but it is a fun movie. So, <laughs> we watched that. Then, in 2021, we did What We Found on Halloween, which was all found footage. Yes. Another example of... Well, some people love found footage, and good for them. But some people don't. They, you know, found footage almost has a bad rep uh, amongst many people. The whole point was, I bet there's at least 30 really good found footage films for Halloween. And yeah, we found 30 of them. Well, maybe like 29, because that one that I picked... That, well, no, oh, okay, he, there are like two that I picked yeah, that, I, that we'd never seen They were before. blind watches. You just wanted to watch something new, and you paid the price for that. Yep. <laughs> and then that brings us to this year. Yes. And this episode, which is all the plane movies that we watched. Yes. But first, we're going to take a quick break. A little spooky Halloween break. Because it's spooky season. Shut up. <laughs> and uh, also... Shout out to Dave, who also is sick of spooky season. Oh, he don't like spooky season either? No, well, you heard him when he went on Exploding Heads. Yeah. You know, he, he is, uh, he's about as sick of it as I, as I am. So, uh, thanks, Dave, for commiserating with me. Is he sick of always hearing our Munsters alarm clock? Well, not alarm clock, cuckoo clock. Well, he did, like I said, I think I said in the last episode, he asked if it goes off every 15 <laughs> minutes. I'm like, no, it just seems that way. <laughs> but, all right, we're going to take our quick break. We'll be right back. Halloween break. Which house do you want to go to first? The Cat Lady. Trick or treat. It's go time, kitty cats. <laughs> Have a break. Have a Kit Kat. Okay, we are back, and we are ready to start talking about some scare plane movies. Here comes the airplane. <laughs> Open up. <laughs> wow. <sighs> no acknowledgement of my acknowledgement of my acknowledgement of my scare plane joke. I oh, thought that was funny. That was hilarious. I was I was busting a gut on the inside. On the inside, right? Okay. Okay. So what's up first? Okay, the first one. Well, 
I always believe in ladies first, so you had the first pick, and you decided to go with Flight of the Living Dead from 2007. And right off the bat, I gotta say, the best thing about this movie is probably the title. <laughs> that is an awesome title. It is. Yeah, the reason I chose that one is I've always liked that movie. I've seen it, I don't know, seven or eight times. I own it on DVD. I enjoy it. Also, they ripped off my story idea. Yes. And, you know, as somebody, I've had that happen to me. I know how frustrating it is. So, Although know. their title might be better. my The title of my story was The Unfriendly Skies. That's a good one, too, though. Yeah, I thought so. But I didn't get a chance to do anything with it. Oh, the story is pretty much as simple and straightforward as you can get. There's a plane, and there's zombies on the plane. That's it. Yeah, there's a guy whose wife is under... It's Dale Midkiff, by the way. Yeah. Whose wife is undergoing some sort of experimental treatment or something. And they have her on board, but they have her in the cargo hold. And they know that there are some side effects to this. And I think it has something to do with the military. I and mean, honestly, for me to have seen it as many times as I have, you can tell... The plot doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's just... Oh, well, yeah, I'm assuming... The that, idea is just that somebody yeah. gets zombified on a plane and then it spreads. Yeah, I'm sure there's somebody military involved because they have some dude with a submachine gun down in a cargo hold with the zombie lady. And then, of course, things get out. And next thing you know, everybody is trying to defend themselves from zombies. So they're building barricades and trying to, you know, fight off and, you know, live the day. It's one of those great ideas because it's, you know, you're, there ain't much room to run and hide on an airplane. I think, uh, isn't Kevin J. O'Connor in this too? Is yeah, this he, the one? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, he plays a, uh, yeah. he's a prisoner who is being transported by a marshal, a federal marshal on the plane. So there's a federal marshal on the plane, but there's also a guy who works for the TSA... Which, I don't know why they didn't have yeah, an air marshal. I don't know how that stuff works. Uh, it doesn't seem like they would have doubled up like that, but, you know, whatever. Well, the federal marshal guy, he's just taking a ride. He's not actually working on the plane. He's just uh, transporting Kevin J. O'Connor. But I don't know why not have an air... Because they never once referred to him as an air marshal. He just he just says, you know, I work for TSA. You know, which is just weird. Anyway, they get involved, and there are some, you know, annoying characters that you can't wait to see die, but there's some funny stuff. I I really enjoy it. I get a lot of fun out of it. There's a scene where Grandma Zombie... Yes. Oh, it's Kevin J. O'Connor. Yep. She's chewing on his arm, and he's just like, ah! She's gumming me! She's gumming me! And then, yeah, it turns out he's fine because she didn't have any teeth, so she didn't <laughs> break the skin. So... Uh, it's a mixed bag of... Special effects, there's some good practical special effects, and then there's some really horrendous CGI. Uh, I've said it before, CGI is one of those things where if you're going to have good CGI, it's going to cost a lot of money. And yeah. most, you know, low-budget independent films, they just, they're not interested in paying what you... Steven Spielberg-type prices to get some good CGI. Well, what I've noticed in a lot of these plane movies is that most of them use CGI planes, like for oh, the, yeah. the flight, yeah, like, watching them fly, and they all look bad. Yes. <laughs> like, it's just, like, I guess you just can't do a good 
CGI or for their budget. But at any rate, this movie is fun. I have a good time with it. I thought it was a good way to start off the month. Yeah, it was. It is fun. Again, it's no thrills. It's nothing revolutionary, nothing like, oh my God, that's amazing. It's just zombies on a plane. It gives you right there, you know, it's right on the tin, as they say. But it's good enough for a watch occasionally. Screech to a halt, as they say. Uh, we both gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Next was my pick, and I picked a movie that Jamie had never seen, and I'd only seen once before, uh, when it first came out back in 2010, and I remember I liked it, but I wasn't blown away by it, and I was having trouble remembering it, and, well, knowing me and my love of a certain type of film, it's no surprise, but I was like, you know, I should have liked this movie better than I thought I did, so... I picked it here to give it a second watch. And this is Altitude from 2010. This one does have a unique story to it. Uh, some young, pretty people get together, and one of them is a pilot, and she is going to fly her friends to, what is it, Coldplay? <laughs> yeah, they're going to go see Coldplay and Woo! <laughs> so, uh... They all get on as little, you know... Yeah, I had a hard enough time driving to Detroit to go see Iron Maiden. I'm damn straight not taking a plane to see Coldplay. How many people? Uh, I think five of them. Five. Yeah. Two couples and one extra dude. She's and, the co He's the cousin of the pilot chick. The fifth guy. Is. The extra dude. Okay, yeah. Anyways, they all get on this little twin-engine plane, and one of the ladies is flying, and everything is all nice and good, but... One by one, things start falling apart. Like a bolt falls out of the plane, and it just happens to fall in between two pieces of metal that is designed to, you know, bend and fold and all that stuff, thus blocking them. And this makes the airplane climb for, like, some unheard of height. More so than it should be possible. Like, it should be in outer space by the time they fix that problem, so it adds to the weirdness. And then they, you know, have to do some outside aerial stunts with uh, their plane. There is some strange things that they can see in the distance. There's a storm that comes out of nowhere, and it just, you know, blankets the area so they can't see anything. The radio stops working, their instruments stop working, and one by one, they start dying one by one will take you and it's clear there is a quote for everything yes <laughs> and it's clear that there's something outside this plane and it's not a big spoiler because it's right on a damn poster there's something following them something that flies something that's large and something that has tentacles so yeah i was Ooh. all excited for that yeah <laughs> that was, this was me. That's motherfucking Cthulhu! <laughs> <laughs> it's not Cthulhu himself, but it's roughly the same thing. It's a very contained, very claustrophobic story because it's all taking place on this one tiny plane. Plus, there's, you know, the added, you know, the weather and the mechanical, you know, malfunctions. And then you got the tentacle monster and people getting 
cr- a little bit crazy because nobody yeah. wants to die. And well, yeah, and plus they're so high up that they're suffering from hypoxia. Yes, so they're- and they're freezing to death, and just everything just keeps piling on. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I ended up liking this movie a whole hell of a lot. I don't know why I didn't like it as much as I do now. The first time I seen it. But since then, since this second watch, I've really, really come to appreciate this film. But what about you? This was your first time watch. I really liked it. I was very surprised that you didn't like it more. They, um, well, you know, the first time you watched it. But like I always say, that's why I'm always willing to give well, yeah. a movie another shot. You know, well, yeah. several years down the road, I like to revisit movies that I didn't like the first time. Like, not too long ago, we watched Teristas for that very reason. Well, that movie still sucks. Well, I liked it better than I did when I first saw it. I didn't. Well, that would be you. <laughs> but. but, yeah, I mean, sometimes you warm up to movie, and sometimes you cool off uh, with a film. There's one of these movies that we'll be getting to on this list that have actually... Like less now than I did before. Ooh. Ooh, which one? I don't know. But, uh, so yeah, if you've never seen this, and I bet there's a whole bunch of people out there who haven't, uh, just because I never hear anyone talk about it, I do highly recommend it. It was very good. It's very weird. So, you know, I'm going to be all excited for it. But, I think uh, this was one, did we watch it on YouTube or Tubi? I honestly can't remember. I can't remember. But we found it streaming somewhere. Yes. So you can find it. Yes. Just uh, pop it into the Just Watch app and that tells you where to find stuff. I don't oh, know yeah. if we've ever mentioned that before, but... Just Watch but is awesome. It, yeah. And they have a desktop version, too, I think. Don't you use the desktop Oh, version? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what and I, I use. And I use the app. And it's great. You just put in whatever title you're looking for and it shows you everywhere that it's available for streaming unless it's on youtube well if it's on youtube for rent or buy but if it's just like uploaded to youtube it won't show you that but cough cough legal cough <laughs> but Tubi, prime shutter like anything any wherever it is netflix it will tell you hbo max so you know it's a an invaluable resource anyways that was our second watch for the uh, season did we rate it We both gave it a four out of five. Yeah, it was good stuff. Okay, next up is my pick again. And this is a relatively new one. This is Blood Red Sky from 2021. And it's on Netflix. It was a Netflix original film. Uh, This one, I think we actually talked about it when we watched it. I believe so, yeah. But uh, there's a woman and her little boy... They are, and this was a Russian film, wasn't it? No. Oh, what this was is it? actually, I think, a German film. Oh, I don't know, but we it, we we watched it dubbed, so didn't matter. <laughs> well, no, it's actually it's not dubbed because it's uh, I believe it's an English or American and German co-production. There are some scenes that are spoken in German and it's subtitled, and then mm. there's some scenes that are spoken in English, and well, it's obviously not. But yeah, I do believe this was a German-American film. Okay. Uh, But a woman uh, who is traveling to New York. From Germany, so there you go. To get uh, some treatment for something. Is traveling with her son. And they meet a guy at the airport. He's a nice guy. And he ends up kind of becoming friends with him. 
But there are also some bad people on the plane. And this happens a lot. I noticed this a lot, too, with the movies that we were watching. There's a lot of heists and oh, yeah. terrorism going on like that they use to kind of put it into the plot. Well, I mean, it's a common threat. Uh, not that it's common, but it's a, a trope to, yeah. of, you know, terrorism and hijackers and stuff like that. What they don't know when they got on what they are... What they didn't know when they got on this plane is that they would have to be contending with a vampire. Yeah, the woman, the mother, is a vampire. And again, no real spoiler, because that's given away right on the poster. And so it's almost like Die Hard on a plane with a vampire. So you have the bad guys doing the nefarious bad guy stuff. You have the vampire who she's really not a bad person, or at least she's really trying hard not to be, but she's going to be the one that to rise up and save the day. And then you have other various people who are just like caught in the middle. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy this one. Yes. I think it's a little long, but I don't think it's bad long. I think no. it's, I think it earns its time. And... I just, I love the relationship between the mom and her little boy. I love that little boy. I usually don't like kids in movies, yeah. but he's so resourceful yeah. and smart and brave. He's such a brave little boy. I just, I love him to death. And so you care about her because she's, she's trying to, uh, she's found a doctor who thinks that he can cure her with, uh, like a bone marrow transplant so that she can create new blood. We don't know if it's going to work, but she's going to give it a shot. And so she doesn't want to be this creature. She doesn't, and she's not evil. She's taking know? various drugs to suppress the vampire-ness mm -hmm. of her. But with all the, you know, shooting and bad guys and you know, all the action, she has to give in to her vampiric nature to stand a chance of... She mainly doesn't care if she... She dies or anything like that, but she wants to make sure her kid lives. Yeah. And so no matter what, she's going to make sure her kid is safe and, you know, he gets to live a full life. So what I like about this is it starts off as she's traveling, but you do go back and find out how she got turned, yes. what the circumstances of that were, um, what she's kind of done leading up to this point to try to suppress this. So you get a... You get really close and personal with the characters here, which I like. I it's it's just a really good movie. I wish the poster wasn't so obvious, or uh, the idea behind it again wasn't given away so quick. Because there they do a good job of some misdirection here, where you think she's just like a cancer patient. Yes, yeah. Because when you first see her, she's bald. You see her putting on a wig. Her little boy talks about her getting a bone marrow transplant. So. You think that she could be a cancer patient. Although, you really don't think that, especially if you watch this on Netflix. Because yes. in the synopsis, it's pretty much given away. And also, you know how they show the little clip before, the, before you hit play on the movie? It's pretty much a dead giveaway. So, there's no spoiler there. But I do think the film itself did a really good job of trying to misdirect you. Yes. It's just... Yeah. I also really like the look of the vampire. It's very Nosferatu-like. Yeah, very animalistic. Did you notice her ears? Mm -hmm. You know, I not only are they like rat-like, but they have um, like ridges. Like mm -hmm. I don't know. I I really like the design. There's also uh, at least three scenes I remember of where they show the air 
they show her ears moving. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, stuff like that. Good like. makeup work. Really good gore. Yeah. There are some really nice kills in this movie. A lot of blood flying around. So I do highly recommend this film. Uh, we recommend it so much that we both give it a four out of five. If you hear purring in the background, that's Pugsley. He just <laughs> wants to get in on the Halloween fun. Yeah, he's a he's a good black kitty. He's, he's spooky. We now go back to me, and my next pick was The Night Flyer from 1997. This is based off a Stephen King short story. I've always really liked this short story. And I do also really like this film, which is a shame because it's impossible to find a decent copy of this movie. Uh, if you get it on DVD, it is some bargain basement, bare bones, and because it was originally, I think it was made for TV or something, whatever, it looks like ass. They've never had a good version of this film. I would love to see it on Blu-ray, just for visual quality, or just a nice, sharp DVD. Give me that. For being a film based off Stephen fucking King, nobody gives us any love. And it's a pretty damn good movie. I think it's a good movie. Uh, the idea is, is a vampire, and he has a little single-engine airplane, and what he does is he flies from... Small, because there's a ton of airports out there. Everybody thinks airport like, you know, the big, huge, major city airports. But there's tons of tiny, small, little airports all over the country, probably all over the world. And this guy flies to these little mom-and-pop airports. And he lands, he goes in there, and he kills the people there. Usually it's just a man and a woman or, you know, whoever runs this place. It's usually a family business. He goes there, he kills him, and then he flies away to a new airport. There's Miguel Ferrer. He's dead now, unfortunately. It but is unfortunate, because I like him. He's, he was an awesome... great asshole. Yeah! He, he could also be a decent guy, but he excelled at playing a slimy shithead. And here he plays another slimy shithead. He plays a... A tabloid reporter. He's pretty sure that there's a serial killer out there who thinks he might be a vampire. So... He goes after him, trying to, you know, track him down. He used to be a more of a hot shit reporter. Now he's not really one. So he wants to make his mark again. And in doing so, after finding various bodies and finding clues and all that, he comes to a realization that, yeah, it might actually be a real vampire. And I like this vampire. I like the look of him. He looks a, a little bit puppety at times, but he looks very... Bat-like. Bat-like, He's got very... The face of a bat. Animalistic. And, you know, I'm not a fan of the sexy vampires. and They have their place and all that. But I think too much of them go through that bad boy bullshit. I like my vampires nasty and mean and dirty. And, and this guy fulfills all that. I mean, he is crusted with blood. He sleeps in dirt like a good vampire should. Uh, he's just, he's nasty and mean and... But he's smart. Oh yeah, and that's he's, just it. He's like, he has those animalistic qualities, but he also is, he plans and he teases the Miguel Ferrer character. And he flies. You gotta be pretty, you know, gotta have a few <laughs> marbles to fly of goddamn airplane. So yeah, it's the idea is just this guy 
who's a real dirtbag chasing after a bona fide monster. It's kind of a bit of that old, who is the real monster? Well, answer is they both are. They're both assholes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the reporter is willing to do some questionable things to get the story. The vampire's just trying to live. Now, that doesn't make him a good guy. In fact, he just kills a whole bunch of people. But, I mean, he ain't doing it to be an asshole. It's, he's a vampire, he has to eat. So, that's what he does. And then, you know, you get some nice little twists on the whole vampire lore, like just his physicality. Hell, just the way his jaws work and his fangs and all that. I don't know. I've really liked this one. I always have. It has a surprisingly good amount of gore and blood. has a neat little mystery. I like all the acting in it. Mm -hmm. I just wish to God we could get a decent copy on disc yeah. somewhere. I will say this, too. If you're going to choose one Stephen King movie that is based around an airplane... I will go this over Langoliers any day. <laughs> <laughs> and we did think about that. I did consider it, yeah. That's also a mini-series. It's, a, you know, takes a bit longer to go through and all that. And plus, scaring the little girl! <laughs> oh, Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> but yeah, as for this one, it's a damn good vampire flick. Uh, we both give it. Sounded like a broken record, damn. A four out of five. While you're going to the next one, I will point out that uh, people out there are probably going, what about Quarantine 2? Uh, which is all about a plane and an airport. But I was like, nah. Yeah, I mean... It's okay. I don't it's hate that terrible, movie, but I don't like it enough to where I'm like, you know what? I want to watch Quarantine 2 again. Now, if it was a movie that I hadn't seen... Or hadn't seen in a long time. Yeah, sure, whatever. But I've seen it somewhat recently enough, so I was good on it. However, I really wish we would have picked that movie as opposed to this one. <laughs> Next is Flight 666. This was a movie Jamie picked. Because I've never seen it. Yes, I get that. The first words to appear on screen were... Oh, Asylum Presents. Yes. This is from the Asylum. You know, the Sharknado guys. <laughs> I, look, I, I didn't know that going in. But yeah, as soon as it started playing and I saw Asylum Presents, I, was, I, I out loud was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, why the fuck did you pick this one? And I said, I didn't know it was an Asylum movie. So, yeah, this has all the hallmarks of Asylum. Really, 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 really cheap sets. I mean... <laughs> Is this the one where there were, like, 12 people on the Yes. <laughs> because they're Asylum and they're cheap, they could only afford 12 actors. So, we're supposed to believe that this whole jumbo jet airplane has 12 people on there it. There were more than 12, but not many. <laughs> I don't even remember... What the hell is this movie about? <laughs> oh, wait. No, I do remember. This is the one where there was a... It was a haunted plane. There were people on the plane and... 
individually they were hearing things and seeing things uh, like they one guy would see somebody outside the window of the plane and then um if you go into the bathroom you'd see something in the mirror and then it would you'd feel like you'd been dropped through the floor and you end up in the cargo hold and it was it, they were ghosts and they were trying to deliver a message yeah um as far as asylum movies go, it is far from the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, definitely. But that doesn't mean it is in any way, shape, or form good. Because it wasn't. It is a very basic haunted airplane movie. It does have a bit of a mystery as to what's going on. Who are these ghosts and why are they haunting this plane? And are they haunting someone specifically? And... You get to find out what's going on and all that. I wasn't impressed and I wasn't surprised. Uh, the ghosts are all just guys in makeup occasionally coming out of the shadows going, and It is the lowest common denominator kind of filmmaking. It's what you expect from the asylum. Well, I will say that I was engaged the whole time. I was interested in the story. And I didn't mind the acting as much as you did. The highlight of this uh, for me, was the lead flight attendant was the same chick from the ghost video or the ghost ghost the band the their song dance macabre. She was the lead in that video. Yeah, which so kind of cool. That is the highlight of acting here. That is yeah. the high watermark. <laughs> well, it was neat to see somebody that I knew. And I wanna I wanna say there I can't remember who else was in it, but I feel like somebody else was in it too. But. Yeah, it was just an also-ran. It was, you know, it wasn't anything special. I wouldn't go out of your way to find it. It's not one that I hated my time watching it. I just didn't like it. If I never watch it again, I'm fine with that. It had a few funny moments insofar as being so bad it's good kind of funny. But not even enough of those to really... I like a really good, really bad movie. This wasn't even that. It was kind of like, eh, boring bad, mostly. I don't know. And I don't know how we both gave it the same rating since... Yeah, we gave it a 2.5. You make it sound like we liked it more than we did. No, 2.5 is between didn't like and like. Yeah, I never said that I liked it more than that. I thought... Well, I mean, that's what it was sounding like to I me. Oh, I said don't go out of your way to watch it. Like, yeah. I don't I don't see how that's saying that I liked it. Again, I will give it this much. It is better than most Asylum films, but that's still damning with faint praise at the very least. After that, I kind of did what I always do and bend the rules, because I like that, and I decided to watch Twilight Zone, the movie... Because, while it's not all about an airplane, it does have that one segment, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, the most... I don't know if it is the most famous Twilight Zone segment. Well, it's the one that's been in every version of the Twilight Zone. But it's one of the most famous ones. And so, since that is all about airplane, I said, that counts. And mainly, I just wanted to watch it again, because it's been some years. And I'm sorry to say... That while I still like this movie, I do like it less... This is the one? This is the one. Oh. It's an anthology, so that gets a, you know, thumbs up for me right there. It has four shorts and then a wraparound. Uh, one short is about some racist dickhead who, 
you know, suddenly gets the worst of everything delivered onto him, so he knows what it's like to be, you know, a black guy in the South in the 50s or 60s. He knows what it's like to be a Jewish guy in World War II. He knows what it's like to be a Vietnam soldier in Vietnam, and so on and so forth. So he gets his comeuppance. Yes, that is the segment where actor Vic Morrow and two young children died because John Landis is a fucking dick. And he should burn in hell for all eternity. Fuck that guy. He got away with murder. I don't think he's a dick. I think he just it made was a nothing, decision. It was hubris. It was nothing but hubris. People told him not to do this. And he said, oh yeah, don't worry. We won't do that. And then he turned around and told them, do it. Because, you know, I'm a film director. I know better than you do, Mr. Helicopter Pilot. Fuck you, John Landis. You... Piece of fucking shit. You murdered three people and you got away with it because Hollywood is a company town. Period. So fuck that guy. I like his movies doesn't mean I like him. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's pretty much the rule around here. You don't have to like the person who makes the movie. I do like his segment. It's one of only two segments I do like in this. <laughs> well, yeah. I really, I, I am not a fan of this film. I never have been. And it's not that I hate it. But I only like two of the four segments. I used to like three of them. Now I still mostly do, although one of them is a little bit less. Which is the one that's a little less? Uh, I know the one you flat out don't like, but what is the... Yeah, the next one is from Steven Spielberg, and it is so sentimental and sappy and saccharine and just, oh my god, I can feel myself getting diabetes just watching it. Well, it's very schmaltzy. It is. And I have to say, though... It does bring a tear to my eye every time I watch it. Like, it makes me cry, but like a sentimental tear. But I don't like it. Like, I don't, I've never liked those smushy episodes of the Twilight Zone. No. You know, I like the darker episodes. Even when I was a kid, I would turn them off if it was one of the, one of the lame, you know, feel good ones. I don't give a shit. It doesn't have to be dark or scary for me to enjoy it. One of my favorite ones is, oh, I, I think it's called Five Characters in Search of an Exit or something like that. It's where there's all these various, like, one of them is a clown, one of them is a firefighter, one of them is a soldier. These people just wake up in a box, a void, mm-hmm. and they don't know where they are, how they got there, and... It is just really well done. It's not necessarily scary or horrific, but it's just good. This is just so saccharine, chokingly sentimental bullshit. Well, I will say there is one sentimental one that I love, and that's only because it involves a dog. But it's the one with the old, the hunter guy who, um, he gets killed while he's out hunting or dies, I don't remember, but, and he goes to heaven, or he goes to the gates, and they tell him that his dog can't come in, and he's like, well, then fuck you, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. go to heaven if I can't bring my dog, Good well, then him. he keeps walking down the road, and he comes to the real, don't start crying, <laughs> he comes to another set of gates, and they tell him that, of course, his dog is welcome, and the reason that he couldn't go into the last one was because that was the devil trying to trick him. And they don't let dogs in because dogs know the smell of brimstone. <laughs> and like, so when he got to the real heaven, his dog got to go in. And I always thought that was sweet. Yeah. But that's the only one that, that I, I really like. I don't mind sentimentality. I don't mind emotions and feelings and all that stuff. But there's, this is so heavy. It is so just, 
It's the kick the can story. Yeah, God, man. And it's a good story, but... No, it's not. I don't want it in my Twilight Zone movie. No. You know? Because, so. you know, they start off the movie with, you want to see something really scary? Well, this ain't scary. The next one is the one that's come down a little bit for me. The Joe Dante yeah. one. And that's the one where the kid, he basically has the powers of a god, and so he's kind of an asshole to everybody. He makes him do what he wants and eats what he wants and watch cartoons all day. And finally a woman comes, and she's a teacher, and, you know, they find a, a solution to their problem. That one is fun. It is a bit too cartoony. I mean, well, it's Joe Dante. That's what the guy does. Yeah. It's, he puts it's, cartoons in every one of his movies. It's a little too whimsical for yeah, me. Yeah, but I it don't is. I really enjoy it. But I pre- and I prefer the original Twilight yes. Zone episode that it was based on, where you have the little kid from Lost in Space wishing people into mm-hmm. a cornfield. Like, that is... I love that episode. But when Joe Dante did his version of it for the movie, it's just... It's full... If you like whimsy... Then you'll probably enjoy it. But it's, it's a, a little too much. It's me. a neat watch just because it is a live action cartoon and seeing some of the crazy cartoon creatures that they make and, you know, have them steam coming out of their ears and dancing all around. And it's neat, but it's also a bit much. The last one is, of course, The Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. And this is just, it's great. It's still great. The original with William Shatner. William Shatner is great. And this one with John Lithgow is great. Same story. You know, this guy on a plane, he's afraid of flying. And he sees something out on the wing of the plane. And so the whole time as he sees this monster out there, but of course nobody else sees it. Every time somebody else looks out the window, the monster just happens to scamper away. So nobody believes this guy. Everybody thinks he's nuts. But he is certain that this thing out there, it's going to fuck him up. It's going to break the plane. And they've already lost one engine. If they lose another one, they're going to crash. And so it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's manic. It's this guy losing his shit, but knowing he has to do something. Yeah, this was directed by George Miller. Yes, of uh, Mad Max fame. Which, he's the only outlier here. To me, I feel like Dante and Landis and Spielberg all go together. Like, they all seem to fit together. Maybe it's because they all have dark hair and... Be- well, no, Dante doesn't have a beard, so I don't know. <laughs> but and, Well, I think it's actually the Corman connection. Because they all have... Corman connections, Maybe. some looser than others, but like Dante and Landis came up through Corman. So they have that. And uh, I think Landis did. Yes. He uh, And then um, George Miller just seems to, it seems an odd choice, but he did an excellent job. And I love his direction. Like he, he's fantastic. I have no problems with George Miller, but it just seems... Kind of weird. It is a bit weird, but I give him credit. He is the best of the four, in my opinion, in this movie. He definitely has the best segment. Yes. I think. Yeah. Uh, my, the other segment that I do like is the Landis segment, but there, of course, is a shadow cast over that because of the three people who died uh, due to negligence. Yeah. So. And just the more you. If you go on. It, <laughs> if you want to be pissed off. Oh, what the hell was his name? Brian's real mad, even, like... 
Almost he, 40 years later, he's still mad about it. Because he got away with it. I know. And it's so blatant he got away with it. Because, again, Hollywood is a company town. If anybody thinks, the, you know, the Hollywood elites give a fuck about justice, they don't. They're all about protecting themselves. And so a man and two little kids died. And yeah, he didn't do it on purpose. He wasn't doing his, ha ha ha, I'm going to kill somebody. But because of his stupidity and because of his egocentric horseshit, where he knew better than anyone else around, people died. Fuck that guy. I think they were brother and sister, too. Weren't they from the same family? I don't believe so. I believe um, each one was from a different family. So not that that it. makes it better, but it would have well, been Well, no, it worse. makes it worse because it now spreads it out even further. Well, no, I think it'd be worse if they were from the same family because then they both then they lost two yeah. kids. Yeah. But either way, it's shitty. Uh, but uh, there is a really good book, and goddamn, I'm blinking on a title, but... Uh, there's a good book all about what happened. And, uh, in fact, I remember listening to a podcast with uh, Mick Garris. I forget who he was talking to, but they were talking about some of the stuff that happened. And the guy he was talking to was like, yeah, uh, I remember I was working with John Landis after the Twilight Zone thing happened. <laughs> and I made sure every time he walked by, he saw that I was reading that book. <laughs> and supposedly Landis got all pissy and you know but he couldn't do anything because they were you know their union so fuck that guy I hope he lives with it I hope he has fucking nightmares about it still well I'm sure he does because I don't think he's a bad guy he just made a bad call and and I'm not saying I'm not saying that that excuses it but I don't he didn't obviously do it on purpose and I'm sure it haunts him to this day I hope so but as for the film as for the film <laughs> Uh, we both give it a three out of five, which means we give it a, we liked we it. We liked it, you know. Yeah. Now, again, I used to like it a little bit more, and I don't think my fixating on this, on the tragedy has brought it down. No, because the last time we watched it, which was just a couple of years ago, you still liked it. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's, I don't think it's that. It just hit different this just, time. Yeah. So... Anyway, so that's Twilight And it's not like you sit there the whole time we're watching that segment and just, you know, cursing under your breath, you know, like, oh, fuck you, John Landis. No, and, well, and Kentucky Fried Movie is, like, one of your favorite movies yes. of all time. And, you know, that's so, what hurts, because I he's a good filmmaker. Yeah, I love him. I, his, I love his films. I do. It's But it's undeniable. He caused three people to die, and he didn't get so much as a smack on a wrist for it. That just, that sticks in my craw. Yeah. Anyways, enough of that. Uh, after that, we then went... <laughs> People who love Angry Brian are going to love that. <laughs> we went to uh, another new movie that we saw not too long ago, but we decided to give it a second watch. Uh, Jamie picked it. It is Shadow in the Clouds from 2020. It's got my name written all over it. It's a war horror movie, and I've always had a soft spot for them. And this is a good one. Even if it does get a little bit ridiculous at times. There's a woman here and she kind of cons her way into a bomber with this American bombing crew. Not to do a bombing mission, but they're flying her from A to B. And she's... It's uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Yes. And she has all the paperwork saying, you've got to take me here and all that stuff. But... As they're going, not only will they have some, you know, good old war type stuff when the Japanese Zeros start 
attacking, but there's something else involved with this flight. And I like this because she's, I don't, I forget what you call it, that seat under the bottom, the, 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 the shooter seat. I've always called it the ball gunner seat. Okay. But I mean, there could be something else. But there's a... Or the belly gunner. In these, yeah, in the, in the belly of this plane, there's like a, a, it sticks out uh, like a little seat with windows and then like you can actually shoot from it. And... I love it because she keeps trying to warn them about things that she's seeing. And because she's a woman, they're like, nah. Well, and also, (laughs) as the movie goes on, they start to unravel her story and it starts to stink like shit. Yeah. So they know she's not being completely honest. Yeah, she's got something on board and she doesn't want anyone to know what it is. And then they start doing some... Uh, sneaky Peeton and figure it out. <laughs> but meanwhile, there is a, a different kind of foe that they are yes. battling on this plane. And she is the first one to see it. And she is the first. Now, then this is when we get into some of the ridiculous stuff like the, yeah. the parcel falling and then, you know, being caught in midair. You know, well, it's so, not, there's a scene where, or like being tossed. I yeah. Guess. Chloe Grace Moretz. She actually falls out of the airplane. And, you know, that's it. You know, you fall out of an airplane, you're going to die. But as she's falling from the bomber, there happens to be a Japanese fighter below her that blows up and the (laughs) concussion wave pushes her back up into the airplane again and saves her. And I'm like, is this a goddamn Looney Tunes cartoon? (laughs) I mean, that shit is just nuts. And not in a good way. It just... Oh, oh, I thought it was entertaining. And, I mean, I thought that part was... It was funny, you know, because, no, that's not really going to happen. But but everything else is crouched in, quote, realism. Yeah. You know, it's a real war. There's real death. There's real stakes. And then you do this cartoon horse shit. It's like, really? It just, it's, you know, completely fucking silly. That being said, I don't hate it. I don't, you know, even that... Stupid bit. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> whatever gets us to the end. I like the acting here. I like everybody involved with it. I like the war scenes and the battle scenes and all that stuff. I like the mystery as to what her package is and what she is doing with it. And the supernatural element. I'm going to be vague about that because it is such a new film. But obviously being on our Halloween list is going to be some kind of spooky creature, supernatural thing going on. So yeah, you have war, you have a human drama, and you also have a supernatural drama. And it all works pretty well. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't call it the most realistic movie in the world, but it's entertaining. So much so that we both give this one a 4 out of 5. And this is on Netflix, so in case you want to see it, go to Netflix. We now go to a movie that was one of those films that you know it was all about the title. Somebody came up with this title, and everybody laughed, and then somebody thought for a moment and said, you know what, we should do that. And so they built it out from there. Yes, of course, I am talking about the one the only, the meaned to hell and back, Snakes on a Plane from 2006. 
And yeah, this is a deeply stupid movie, but it's a lot of fun, too. Uh, here, some big bad crime boss kills somebody, but he is witnessed by some guy. Samuel Jackson is a fed, and he gets hold of the witness, and he convinces him to testify. But the criminal they're testifying against is, like, notorious for being some psycho killer crazy. I mean, he'll kill anybody, and he doesn't care. So they're really going out of the way to be careful and cautious, and they're sneaking aboard a commercial jetliner. They're taking over their entire first-class section. They're bringing in bomb dogs and all this stuff. But it's all for naught because the big bad criminal guy somehow sneaks on board a shit ton of venomous snakes. And is that wasn't enough, bad enough. He then takes some pheromone that drives him crazy and douses it all over the lays that they have because this takes place in Hawaii. And so now you have snakes on a plane. Just some goofy reason to have a whole bunch of snakes attacking a whole bunch of people on an airplane. And that's basically the story. A shit ton of venomous snakes plus one inexplicable anaconda. Yeah, I don't, they have this huge anaconda and it's like, First off, how'd they get him in there? <laughs> he's going to be big and heavy. That's going to take a lot of effort to bring that snake in there. And he's not poisonous. Yeah, he, they just hope he can squeeze a couple people. Yeah. And Maybe of they course, thought John Voight was on board. Uh, <laughs> Looking Paraguayan. Looking Paraguayan. <laughs> and they do give him a good death, as in it causes a good death, because there's one guy on a plane who's a... Total dipshit, so he gets his just desserts. But, yeah, this is just, it's, it's stupid. It's Samuel Jackson, sick and tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Or, if you watch the TV version. <laughs> sick and tired of this monkey fighting snakes on this Monday the Friday plane. <laughs> That, that is, is the best dubbing ever. That That is right up there with yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and this this was a first-time watch for me. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you are correct. It has been memed to hell and back. It was everywhere. It was just all over the zeitgeist. Like, everybody knew this movie. Everybody. It made a shit ton of money. Yeah. A lot of money when it came out. And I never saw it. Well, I mean, it's not a horror movie for, you know, I guess it kind of is. No, it's more like Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> or it's it's an action film. It's a as, it's as horror movie as much as most of the shark movies or even other snake movies or stuff. Animal attack movies, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's mostly played for action and laughs. Samuel Jackson gets to be a badass in it. There's some good one-liners. There's a lot of snakes. Some of them look pretty horrible <laughs> as far as CGI goes. Some of them don't look that bad. It is a very mixed bag, but it is fun. I do like this movie. I hadn't seen it since it first came out a long time ago, so it was nice watching it again. I'm glad you got to watch it finally. We both ended up really liking this one. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad I finally got to see it. Yeah, so uh, we both gave it a four out of five. Which seems to be the trend. Yeah. <laughs> except for that Asylum movie. 
I think everything else has been... Well, and Twilight Zone Twilight was three. Zone, which is sad. Yeah, I know. We now go to a, another very new movie. It's from 2021. It is called Row 19. This is a Russian film. And I don't think a lot of people have seen it. I had it sent to me for review when it came out X number of months back. And I just wanted to watch it again because we did like it. But it didn't get any, well, much reaction on Facebook or anybody commenting on it. So I'm guessing still a lot of people haven't seen it. Was this a, this is either like Netflix or Shudder or Prime. I don't remember where it is, but it's somewhere streaming. But yeah, I mean, I like it. I think it's pretty good. I The big reveal is not hard. No, you know, it's before, pretty obvious. Before you get to the end, you pretty much know yeah. what's going on. But it's an interesting story. I, I enjoy the time it takes to get there. Um, it's all about a woman who survived an airplane crash when she was a kid that killed her parents. and Killed everybody but her. Yeah, and now she is grown and she is a therapist and she has been trying to combat this whole fear of flying that emerged after the plane crash, as it would. And so she's decided to take her daughter to visit her grandfather. grandfather, yeah. And she's going on a plane. She's going on a plane to do it. And then weird, strange stuff starts happening. It becomes apparent that something is, for lack of a better word, haunting this airline. Uh, bizarre... Spooky stuff starts happening that doesn't make a lot of sense until you start to put the pieces together. That's all I'll say because, again, I don't think a lot of people have seen this film, but it is a decent enough watch. I really like what the, well, <laughs> I was going to say, I really like what the Russians have been doing, but I can't say that now. <laughs> the poor. Actually, I think this movie, um, you got this movie for review. It was right, right after the it started the war with Ukraine. And so we started watching it and I was like, well, this is awkward. Especially because one of the heroes of the movie is... is a, Ukrainian, yeah. yeah. Well, no, he's a Russian war correspondent. And oh, that's they've, right. They've had this whole big thing where they're purposely keeping him in the dark and not letting the Russian people know what the hell's going on going on in the Ukraine and all. It's a big clusterfuck. But uh, I try not to hold that against the film. And I do like these genre pictures we've been getting out of Russia, like Sputnik. Yeah. Um, oh, hell, there's one about dreams and nightmares. I forget what that was called. There was this one, Row 19. There was... There's been a couple films. Oh, The, the Deep, I believe it was. The one about the whole deep, boring... It's like the world's deepest cave. And uh, so, yeah, they've been doing some pretty good stuff. And this is another one. I don't think it's anything amazing. It's... It seems very basic. Like, I've read this story before. I've seen the story before. So, when we were first watching it, that's how I picked up on it so soon. I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. And I was right. But... Even with that, I still enjoyed my time with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd the acting it's... is good. I think the direction is good. I think the special effects were pretty good. It just, it's an all-around decent film. It's a, you know, a haunted house airplane, and why is it haunted, and what's happening, and how are you going to survive? Because, again, it's 
very closed space and there's not many places you can run to. So yeah, if you guys can get a chance to watch it, and again, it is streaming somewhere, I forget where the hell it was, I do recommend watching it. It's not going to change your life or anything like that, but it is a decent enough watch. I always like watching foreign films just to see how things are done in other countries. And uh, this was a good example of that. Oh, it's on Tubi. Okay, well, there you go. I mean, you can rent it everywhere or buy it, but for free, you can watch it on Tubi. Once again, Tubi saves the day. I love Tubi. Yeah. We both give it a 3.5 out of 5. All right. We now come to our last one. We now go to Airborne from 2012. This is a UK film. Uh, didn't you say this was made? It was a UK TV movie. Yes. That's rated TV 14. Now, I don't know if that's from the IMDb here in the US. So, uh, and I don't know that they use TV 14 as a rating in the UK. I don't think they do because they usually have like 15 and 18. But yeah, it was a British TV movie that it has a lot of gore and a lot of cussing and a lot. I mean, just. I was and, really surprised, So you, but you said maybe it was like a cable movie, which yeah. would make sense. Also had a few titties, yeah. which always makes me happy. Yeah. And had some, some surprising faces in it. Now, not too many people that I recognize, but it had Alan Ford. I always you know know him most for being Bricktop from yeah. Snatch. And then... He's like a very similar character. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's basically the same guy. <laughs> he's he's going this on like vacation, I guess. Top goes on vacation. <laughs> but then there's also Mark Hamill, who you can tell because he's isolated from everybody else. They got him in for like a day or two, and he comes in and does his job, and he goes away. But, you know, it was neat seeing them here. As for the film, once again, very, very, very few people on an airplane. Like, eh, probably about 12 of them. It also has Julian Glover. Who was in the old, the old guy? He was from like uh, Indiana Jones and oh yeah, okay. he's been in everything. Yeah, he was in a shit ton of stuff. But anyways, there's a few people on an airplane. They're uh, trying to make the. It's the last flight from the UK to I believe New York City. Yep. And they're trying to get their ass going because there's a huge typhoon or hurricane or whatever coming. And so this is the last flight. It's a red eye. And so they just go. And I like how this one begins. It starts off with a neat little mystery of suddenly people are disappearing. They're not dying. They're not, you know, snakes on a plane or anything like that. Just people are vanishing. And once again, on a little airplane, well, even a big jumbo jet airplane, there's not many places you can hide. So, where the hell are people going? And then you have the whole thing of the storm is playing hell with the pilots and the radio and all that stuff. They could be getting off course. And it all comes together with a mysterious package that some rich hoity-toity guy is shipping from the UK to New York. And what is in that package? It's obviously something spooky, and that's where the movie goes. Yeah, the only thing we know about it is that it's 
supposedly a vase. Uh, well, we don't know that until they like. No, they tell you that in the beginning. They're like, we have on board this. We put this crate on board, and I mean, it's talked about. Um, I missed like that. A, I thought it was like part of the mystery until they they had a scene in the middle where they're like, it's an ancient vase, and blah 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 blah. No, they say it in the beginning that huh. there's like a really high dollar because it's a it's worth. $100 million. That's a hell of a vase. And, like, I'm going to be flying this $100 yeah. million dollar vase on a commercial flight. <laughs> in a little wooden box. Yeah, yeah, it's in, like, a crate. <laughs> that thing would be hermetically sealed. <laughs> what I really do like about this is, now there are some, it has its pitfalls. Yes. But one this thing. This is a movie, just real quick, I would classify this as half good. It is a half good idea, and it's almost literally half good. Like, the first half I enjoy much more than the last half. Well, I like the fact that it starts off as one thing, and you feel like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is where we are. And then, like, midway through the movie, or maybe even in the third act, it just flips, and it turns into something totally different. And then it gets really just fucking nuts like it goes balls to the wall with just the gore and the craziness and you're like what the hell is going on it just it feels like two different movies there's some decent characters and by that i mean fun characters that i enjoy watching and seeing what they do and then there's some boring just uh, go away well the thing that the biggest problem i had with it is the writing and yes. it's not in the story, but in the dialogue. And I feel like the dialogue is, in a lot of places, it's very clunky because they just dump exposition. Um, like, there's this Julian Glover, who is the older gentleman who owns the crate that's on the plane. He goes into this backstory about what's it in the crate. so much exposition. And it's just, and like, he is tell. it's like Quint... But on steroids. Like, he just keeps going. And even after they cut to a different scene, they, cut they come back, back he's and he's still, still talking. Yeah, we actually made fun, fun of that. Like, yep, I just got a story to tell. And then blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, that was over. Nope, here he comes again. Yeah, I mean, he picks up where, I mean, it just picks up mid-sentence. Like, he's still talking. He never stopped talking. So and I don't know some of the most was... convoluted, like, you know, in the... 12th century, blah, 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 and, you know, this and that, and then this guy came here and did that, and it just goes on and on and on, and I'm like, you're way too involved in this shit. You don't need all this stuff here. Yeah, uh, it just, it kind of drags it down, comes to a complete... Now, I love Julian Glover, and I love his telling of the story, but just it brings the film to a screeching halt so he can tell this story. And... Then they do that probably three or four times where they just, with different characters, but they'll just suddenly just bleh and just tell you a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, we've been watching stuff happen. And I said this to you last night. We've been watching stuff happen the whole time. Like this has been, you know, we've been watching these characters progress and this stuff happen and this. Yet somehow they're still managed to have periodically a character dump a whole bunch of exposition yeah. on us that we haven't seen. I'm like, why didn't you show us that? Why are you or telling worse, us? give us exposition of stuff we have seen. Because I remember there was some part where I was like, we've seen this. Because one of the, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, we just saw this. Yeah. We just watched this 
happen right now. You don't need to tell us about it. So I think the story is a good story. I just think the script is way too I think the story is pretty basic for what it is. The whole idea behind the thing and what's going on. But yeah, I think the dialogue is horrible. And I mean, like Mark Hamill, he could not be bothered for this movie. Oh, he did not give a shit. He was there, give me my check, okay. (laughs) Where's the phone? Because I'm going to phone this shit in, so. And his set was so cheap. That's what I mean. You could tell they got him for one day, maybe two. And, you know, they just got everybody together and they filmed his part all by himself. I mean, he interacts with other people. But none of the other main actors. Plain people. Yeah. It was a movie I'd never seen. Yeah. And I'm glad to have seen it. And honestly, I didn't hate it. I just... No. You know, it just... It could have used some editing. Yes. Maybe a rewrite or just take another pass over the script. But, you know, it wasn't terrible. No, it's another one of these movies that... Do I need to watch it ever again? No. But I did watch it. It wasn't too painful watching it, and, you know, I'll never watch it again. That was Airborne. Uh, yeah, and uh, Brian and I both give this one a 3 out of 5. Yeah, it's just, it's it's good it enough, but it's nothing exceptional. Okay, I guess that's going to wrap it up for the planes. Yep, until next time when we'll be boarding the choo-choo. There is one, at least, uh, train movie that I've never seen, or, and actually you haven't either, and I'm really curious to see if it's going to be good. It's the it's a the Western one with... Um, oh, that's right. With yeah. Tony Todd. Yeah. I, well, fingers crossed. Yeah, I, I do love is. a horror Western. Yeah. Something strange Come with us and you will see This our town of Halloween This is Halloween This is Halloween Pumpkins scream in the dead of night This is Halloween Everybody make a scene Trick or treat Tell the neighbors on your diaphragm It's our town Everybody scream It's town of Halloween I am the one hiding under your bed Teeth ground sharp and eyes glowing red I am the one hiding under your stairs. Fingers like snakes and spiders in my hair. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 In this town we call home. Everyone hail to the pumpkin song. In this town, don't we love it now? Everybody's waiting for the next surprise. Down that corner and hiding in the trash can. Something's waiting as a pounce and Halloween, 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 
that's our job. But we're not mean in our town of Halloween. Now everyone's waiting for the next surprise. It's gonna change that might catch you in the back and scream like a betchy, make you jump out of your skin. This is Halloween, everybody scream. Won't you please make way for a very special guy? sat on a railroad track. His heart was all a flutter. Choo-choo train came round the bend. Toot-toot, peanut butter. <laughs> I like that. I've never heard that before. Well, very nice. I was trying to come up with something fun to open the train section with, and I couldn't think of any songs. That's oh. what I was trying to do. Really? Yeah. yeah. I just re- been working on the railroad. That's a train song. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that would work. And then I was like, surely Johnny Cash did something. <laughs> well, yeah, but his but, is all about trains and prisons and stuff like that. But uh, then I just happened to think of that, which I have known since the third grade. <laughs> so, uh, as you can probably tell, guys, uh, we're back in part two, and this is trains. Movies all about taking place on involving trains or even having in the title a train there are 10 of them what's the first one okay the first one is of course an absolute classic we're starting with train right in the title naturally it is terror train from 1980 as the original scream queen it's when she was on her high of just knocking out slasher after slasher has a uh, young David Copperfield. Yeah, and I think his only movie appearance uh, as an actor. He was in one other thing, I think. Oh, was he? Yeah. Uh, and by the way, this watching it this time made me do some research on David Copperfield just because I was curious. Like, who did was he well known when this movie came out? Fairly. He mm. had already been doing television specials and not his big famous one that he did, I think, like 19 of, but he was on other specials, but featured. But do you know that when he was 19 years old, he was headlining in Hawaii? That's awesome. A one man show. Yeah. How the fuck? Well, it's called skill. He has a lot of it. Yeah. And now you can say whatever you, yeah, and charisma. He revolutionized the whole magic industry. He was the, the sexy guy, the cool guy. Mm-hmm. And before that, magicians were kind of like derpy and nerdy and, you well, know, and old guys with big mustaches and shit like that. He is the richest magician oh, to easily. have ever lived. Yeah. And uh, he's worth a shit ton of money. Like, oh my God, he's got fuck you money out the ass. So. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I haven't seen him, him in years, though. He used to have a special every, every year, year yeah. for like 20 years, and then he just stopped. Mm-hmm. Well, he's working in Vegas now. He has a permanent show in Vegas. No, I mean, I'm good for him still working. I'm sure he doesn't need to, but it's just weird 
I don't see him on TV no more. Maybe he just hit. I know. I miss him. Yeah, maybe his stuff just got lower and lower ratings until people just quit giving a damn. Well, you know, then we got things like David Blaine and... and yeah, I don't like him, though. Uh, who's that emo guy? Chris, Chris Angel. Angel. Yeah. The mind freak. And just, that guy's like, a tool. Oh, God. Like, they just don't have the same presence. No. You know? Somebody like David Copperfield is a showman, but he also feels... I don't know. He always felt relatable to me or, or, or uh, just like he was right there. Maybe it's just because I grew up with him. I don't know. But I don't know. The, the later guys, well, they, Copperfield, they just don't have any personality. Copperfield always knew that deep down magicians are kind of nerds. Yeah. And he kind of knew that and he embraced it and he made fun of himself about it and all that. Yeah, he had the haircut and the beautiful women and the suits and he would always strike a pose. And But, you know, he would also smirk. Marry models and Or, shit. you know, do stupid shit. Chris Angel, the mind freak, he thinks he is so cool. He's one of those guys who thinks they're so cool, it's cringy. Like, you just look at him and go, dude. Really? <laughs> I feel like he, you know what he reminds me of? Marilyn Manson. Like, he grew up being a nerd. Yeah. And having no cred, being not cool at all. And then he came up with this whole persona, and now he milks it. But, like, if you talk to him, like, hear him talk, it doesn't fit. Like, his, I don't, his personality doesn't seem to fit his outward appearance. And it's, it comes off fake. And then David Blaine just comes off way too serious. The guy is like a black hole of charisma. He's just, well, I'm going to, you know, sit in this ice cube for 30 days. I love it. I that will... is the one stunt that yeah. everyone knows that David Blaine did. Because it's so fucking stupid. That's not magic. I mean, yeah, you fooled us because you certainly didn't freeze yourself for 30 fucking days. But it's like, that's boring. Nobody's going to want to see some guy just chilling out on an ice cube for a month. Yeah. Ooh, exciting. David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear. You sat in ice. Yeah. <laughs> you did the ice bucket challenge before it was cool. Yay. Well, you know what's not boring? What? Terror Train. Well, yes. Terror Train has always been one of my favorite movies. Granted, it doesn't have a lot of good kills. It doesn't have a lot of blood. But it's just, it's fun. It has a good story. It is a classic slasher well more than that uh, more than it just being fun it is extremely well made well yeah. i had no this is one of those movies that i've seen so many times and we all have those that i've seen so many times that when i you know in later years when i've been watching it i don't really pay attention because i know the movie i don't need yeah. to like really pay attention but when we were watching it for this i decided I would just zero in. Like Do your I, job I, for once I and pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know how I, how, what my approach is like you have podcasters who take notes and get all serious about it. And it's always been well known among my co-hosts, the various ones over the years that that ain't me. No. I don't, I don't take notes. I don't A little peek behind the curtain. I have never taken a single note for any podcast. And hell, maybe that shows. <laughs> it might. I don't know. But I, I feel like I talk about whatever is most present in my mind yes. in, regarding the film. And I, you know, tend to remember the important things I want to talk about. But yeah, the, the old joke is that like when I go to do the like the summer series or something and you got to watch like a bunch yeah. of movies for that. And I always tell Duncan and I'm 
half kidding. I always tell Duncan, I'm like, look, if it's a movie and I've seen it once, like four years ago, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but that's the joke. But anyway, I... Uh, well, there's something strange about me, and it's always been this case. I can remember movies and stories and plots and characters and just anything related to that. I remember that stuff very, very well. That's a true story. And I actually think about that all the time because if I ever, if it's a movie that didn't leave much of an impression on me, like some of the bullshit we watched that you own, <laughs> I won't remember the details. And so when uh, when we're doing the collection, I'm like, well, was this movie about a gun? <laughs> you know, and then like once you start talking about it, it'll jog my memory. But you amaze me because we will watch a film that you've seen one time in 1984 <laughs> and you remember everything about it. I don't know why that is. Now, <laughs> I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. <laughs> day to day life, not so hot. But when it comes to stories and movies or, I don't know, maybe that's just because that's important to me. It's fucked up, I know. Mm -hmm. I can remember that stuff. But just the day-to-day, -day, you know, hey, weren't you supposed to stop and pick this up at the grocery store on your way home from work? Oops. <laughs> okay, this is how bad I am. I just went to the, to the supermarket today. I took some bottles to return. I put them in the machines. And for you guys outside of, like, New York and Michigan and, I think, Connecticut. I don't remember who else does bottle returns still. There's quite a but few. If you're outside one of those states and you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's the deposit. You turn them back in. You get you get you know ten cents per bottle here. I think it's five cents most places. Yeah. But I put them in. I got my little ticket. And then what you're supposed to do is when you're at the register, at, when you go to pay for your groceries, you present them with the little ticket, and they take that much money off of your bill. Well. I'm walking out to the car, and what's in my fucking pocket? <laughs> yeah, I've every done that. time, every time. But with film, at least the ones that leave an impression, I don't have that problem. I mean, I'm not as good as you are when it comes to that, but you know, I can retain most of it. Yeah. But the reason that we went off on this tangent was because I was talking about the fact that I this time really paid attention to this movie. And I was really impressed. No, it is very well made. It helps, again, I say this all the time, but it was made by real filmmakers. And by that I mean professional people who made films for a living. They didn't just do horror movies, and hell, there's nothing wrong with that. For a long time, that's all Carpenter did, and there's plenty of great directors. They focus in on one genre and stick with it. But this guy, he just made movies. And he'd made all kinds of movies, so... Spottiswood. Yeah, he treated movies equally. He didn't... Or if he saw this movie with disdain or... It doesn't oh, show. Yeah, just a stupid little horror movie, blah, blah, they're the hot thing at the moment. It doesn't show. He gives it every ounce of care as he would to... And I'm blanking on his other films right now. Look him up on, you know, Wikipedia or something. But he's had a good career and he's made some serious films. Mm -hmm. So, that and, shows. And I consider this a classic slasher in every sense of the word. In that we get the trope where it all boils down to a prank gone wrong. That's what I me meant when I said it was classic. This is the, you know, slasher 101 setup. You know, some kids get together and they do something shitty. 
you know, not everybody's a shitty kid, but they all agree to do something stupid. One person gets fucked over by it. The heroes of the story feel bad about it. The shitheads don't, obviously. But X number of years later, they're back and they're having, you know, a swinging good time and everybody's happy. But their past comes back to haunt them and get them. And that is just so classic. Yeah. Prom night. Yeah. The burning. Oh, there's a million of one of them. Slaughter High. I always love that one. There's many good slashers and there's many different kinds of slashers. But that is the outline, the blueprint, the template template that I like most. Yeah. That's why I really liked Ma. Because I thought in that respect, it hearkened back to classic slashers in a big way with, with love. And I appreciated that. You know, incidentally, we just last night watched the new Terror Train that is a Tubi original film. It just came out and yeah. it's mostly the same movie. It's yeah. practically shot for shot. No kidding. Um, now, there are some things that were changed. The mystery is changed. Yeah, they, I think they would have done that regardless yeah. just to try to keep it fresh. But at the same time, they kind of had to considering how it ended up. I don't think they would do the same ending today that they did back then. This new one. It's not bad. It's not a it's, bad It's not film. a bad movie. And honestly, it just it's just one of those remakes where you're like, but why? Yeah, it is totally... Because you didn't do anything different. It's totally unnecessary. We're talking same costumes yep. or as close proximity as they could get to. The exact same setup. The exact same... I mean, it's almost... It has shot a for shot. little bit more blood and it has one extra booby scene that wasn't in the original. Woo! I mean, that's it. And then, yeah. of course, it has the the different ending, the twist but... ending, but that one was painfully obvious to me. And then it does stuff like the guy that got to be the David Copperfield in a new one was... 46 years old! Yeah, and he's perving on some 20-year-old. Yeah. Now, hey, there's nothing legally wrong with that, but for this movie that does wrap itself up a little bit in some of the social issues of the day, isn't that kind of icky? Yeah, Someone well, having just, blatant just, daddy issues. It's and... just weird. Like, it, I'm like, God, like, and I like the guy. Like, I, he was okay. He was fine. But I was just like, what? Why? He's so old. Like, he looks so old. So I looked him up and yeah, he's 46. And I'm like, all right, he's okay for me. Yeah. <laughs> or these kids' moms. But it just seems weird. And I don't think, look, I don't have a problem with people dating people with an age gap. I don't give no. a shit. You know, if you're 75 years old and... You find someone who's 23 and, you know, more power to you. As long as they're an adult, I don't give a shit. Like, I have no interest in running other people's lives. No, I'm... You know, as long as you're not hurting anyone, I don't care what you do, period. But it just... I have to admit, I did date a woman 20 years my senior once, or my junior, actually. (laughs) I did date a girl who was my senior when I was... Yes, I know. I told you about that. Yes, I know. (laughs) But, uh... Real so, summer of 42 situation there. <laughs> I didn't mind. So it happens. And, you know, for me, it was an eagle stroke and all that for when I was dating a young chicky. But I don't know. Especially today when they try to be so progressive and so forward thinking. And it's not obnoxious what they do in this film. But they do signpost certain things to show that they are, you know, with it. And, you know, yeah. this isn't your father's slasher movie. Yeah, But then they have still it, that in there. 
I will say it wasn't egregious. Like there were some things, there were things about it that I did really like, but really to be 100% straight up, there just isn't much of a reason to watch the new one just because it's not. If you ever want to see killers on a train, watch this movie. And this one, you know, hopefully you've seen it. If you're listening to our podcast, I would bet money that you have. So, you know, whether you think it's great or not, or if it's your cup of tea. But uh, it is my cup of tea, so much so we both give it a four out of five. It is just a good, classic, feel-good, like, wrap yourself in a warm blanket kind of film for me. Well, yeah, and if you haven't watched it in a while, I recommend a rewatch and really pay attention. The filmmaking is really good. There are some legitimately suspenseful scenes. Yeah. And there's one... The I'll head just rolling say around. The, just a head. <laughs> that scene was yeah, so masterfully was done. But I think the lighting is great. The, I love the music. It just. It I wish feels they would have right. had. The only thing that would put a cherry on top of this for me is some better kills. A lot of the kills are very neutered. A lot of them are cutaway kills and stuff like that. And when a slap, I mean, I've always said a slasher film, or in a slasher film, the kills are like the jokes in a comedy. If you cut them out, they're just sorely missing. We both love Terror Train, so we started that off, that run, with a high. Yeah. But did we keep it up? What was Let's next? hope we didn't get derailed. Ah. ah! And no, we don't. The next one's even stronger than Terror Train. It is Train to Basan from 2016. And this movie, once again, I know you've seen this movie. Yeah. If you're listening to us, you had to have seen this movie because it was so seismic when it came out. This movie just hit and everybody was like, wow. Well, yeah, because everyone was all, we're sick of the zombies. You're zombies, zombie glut. And zombie, rightfully zombie, zombie. so. I love zombies. Another one of my stories I've said forever is I was always the zombie guy from way back before zombies were cool. Everybody was into werewolves and everybody was into vampires. I was the zombie dude. And even I was going, God damn, I'm sick of zombies. (laughs) I have never stopped loving zombies. I always will. There are going to be bad ones, but there have always been bad ones. But this is the point that even now, and, you know, now it's a couple years old. That makes me feel really old. But uh, I'm sure even today somebody could come out with an awesome kick-ass zombie movie. You just have to have a good idea and give a damn about what you're doing. Well, yeah. I mean, this everyone was kind of giving up on the zombie genre. And then, you know, here comes Korea kicking the doors down going, nah, you haven't seen this yet. And this one is just so damn good. Again, I know you've seen it and I know you already know this, but just in brief, it is gory. It is action packed. It is funny. It is heartfelt. It just And gl- it makes me cry. That's the heartfelt part. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm just saying. It has great characters that are in great situations. This movie is just amazing. And for as good as this movie was, and it really is, I mean, no surprise, we both give it a five out of five. The sequel kind of sucked. No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. No, it was just different. It kind of blew. I really liked it. I did not. You did not hate it. I did not hate it, but compared to this film... I mean, well, that's like night and day. There, I think I gave the sequel a four. I doubt if I gave it that high. It seems I'm like sure it was a three. Didn't. That's like, you know, knocking out Dawn of the Dead and then immediately following up with Survival of the Dead. That's horseshit. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that movie sucks my ass. Ah. 
You can kiss mine. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, that was our second movie, Train to Busan, Yay. 2016 from South Korea. It is a mandatory watch, and this just reminded me just how damn good it is. Mm-hmm. Next, we went a little bit more old school. We went back to 1972 with Horror Express. Yeah. This movie, now, if you want to watch this movie, you fucking can. It's, Bec- yeah, it's public domain. For it's whatever everywhere. the reason, this movie is public domain. Yeah. Somebody done fucked up. <laughs> Usually these are cheesy, 50s, sci-fi, you know, bad rubber suit kind of movies or those god-awful monkey movies I'm always going against. Well, and, and that's only because they've been out of copyright yes. for like a hundred years. So, like, it's, uh, but yeah, it's. It may, for all I know, it could be the same situation that like happened Night of Living Dead or something. Dead, yeah, you know. Although I think, well, yeah, this was a British production, uh-huh. so I don't. Their copyright laws are different from ours. Mm. So true. You know, I, who knows? But anyway, yes, it's in the public domain. You can even watch it on YouTube if you've never seen it. I definitely recommend it. The cast is insane. Peter There's, Cushing, Christopher Lee, Telly Sabalas, and a whole bunch of others. But those three. Big ones right at the front are the major, mm-hmm. you know, gets. As for the story, there is a group of horror fans out there, a subsect, who believe this movie is at least in part based on the story Who Goes There? And if that story sounds familiar to you, it should, because that is a story that The Thing from Another World, and more importantly, John Carpenter's The Thing is based on. And there are a ton of similarities between that movie and, well, that story and this movie. So, come on, you got Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, and then likely connections with The Thing. How can I not love this movie? Yeah, and it's, there are, I think, I I believe that. I think there are clear connections. Well, so do I. I think there are... I don't know if it was, you know, taken verbatim, but somebody had read that story before they wrote this script. Well, it's so much so that I didn't even know about that theory. When, But when we were watching it, you said, you know, there is a theory that this is based on a very famous story. And I watched it for a few minutes. I mean, just a very few minutes. And then I was like, who goes there? <laughs> and you're like... Yeah, you were, it was so cute. You were surprised. I was, well, I was impressed. <laughs> but yeah, uh, in brief, uh, Christopher Lee is uh, like a scientist dude, an archaeologist or something. Uh, somebody who digs for fossils. And he happens to find a fossil in Siberia. It is some gorilla looking, you know, missing link. He packs it up and they get on a train. I think it's a Siberian Express going from Siberia all the way to eventually London and so on. Unfortunately, the little frozen critter he has in the box isn't exactly dead. And it also has an ability much like Carpenter's thing where some switching a ruse can be going around. It also has some wild scientific theories like... You could see the images in the fluid from a dead person's eye. That is a real old-timey type of folklore, I guess, or myth. You really can't do that, but there was a time back then when people thought that. Mm-hmm. So, it's just, it's it's neat. It's a whodunit. It's a murder mystery. It's a monster movie. It is great, you know, English actors hamming it up. I mean, you get Cushing 
and Lee together, they're going to be awesome. They could just be sitting there reading a phone book to you. It will be awesome. Mm -hmm. And it is. This is a really good movie. So, and it's in color. Yes. It's in color. So it's an old movie that is in color. So, well, hey, 1972 ain't that old. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're right. If you haven't seen this, you can readily find it. I do recommend checking it out as well with her watch. In fact, we both love it so much, we give it a four out of five. We now go to a bit more modern train tale. Technically, this is about a subway, but come on, what is a subway if not a train but underground? Mm -hmm. And this is the Midnight Meat Train from 2008 from a short story by Clive Barker. It's in one of his books of blood. I love Clive Barker's books of blood. I love every story he ever wrote for them. I'm kind of hit and miss when it comes to his novels, but when it comes to short fiction, I think he's aces. And I think this is a very good adaptation. Now, there, it does change some things from the original story that I wish they would have kept, but I'm more than okay with what we got. Unfortunately, the big thing for me about this movie that I do not like is... The CGI. Yes, The CGI gore effects are atrocious. There are some practical effects in here, and they look good, but then they'll do some CGI wankery, and oh my god, it just looks like a PlayStation game. And it's so sad, because if they would have done it practically, if they would have, or even, hell, if you want CGI, fine, invest the money and get the good shit. (laughs) <laughs> don't get the bargain basement CGI. I don't think CGI blood ever looks good. I don't Neither do I. I mean, most of the time it's crap, but there are better examples than other. But the practical effects in this film are amazing. Yes. They're really good. And it's very gory, very bloody. The cast, oh my God. We've got Bradley Cooper, Leslie Bibb, Brooke Shields, Roger Bart, and Vinnie Jones. Yeah. Uh, my favorite in here is probably Vinnie Jones. He plays a silent, mute guy that Bradley, a photographer, sees on a subway one day. And he just looks so unique and intimidating. Plus, there's also a mystery going around New York where this is set, where people are vanishing on the subway. So he starts following Vinnie Jones, and then we get to find out what's going on, and murder and mayhem soon follow. But Vinnie Jones does a really good job of just acting with his physical presence, his face, his eyes. He only says one word at the very, very end, and uh, he pulls it off. He seems like an intimidating villain. Well, he's done that before. In Gone in 60 Seconds, he plays a character called The Sphinx. Sphinx. Yeah. yeah, and it's because he doesn't talk. But he is, in that movie, even funny. Like, he manages to be funny without saying anything. He's just really good at emoting. Uh, You look at him, what is that, Uh, Snatch. Mm -hmm. He was funny as hell in that. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a big, intimidating, I guess, ex-football guy. I'm sure our UK listeners know more about him than I do. But he actually has some decent acting chops. And then, of course, Bradley Cooper is good, and so is everybody else all along the line. The direction is solid. The cinematography, eh, sometimes dips out, but it's mostly good. Again, my main thing is the horrible CGI. And the fact that when they do this horrible CGI, they want you to see it in all its, quote, 
glory. Oh, yeah, they'll show it to you in slow motion. Yes, and just... Oh, yeah, Ted Raimi. I forgot yeah. Ted Raimi's <laughs> But, uh, it is a very good movie, very bloody, and it also dips into a territory that I love so much, but I highly recommend it. Jamie does, too. We both give it a four out of five. We now go to a movie we've already covered on the podcast back in season one of the ABCs. It was my pick, so naturally I picked it again here because this is another Subway film. It is End of the Line from 2007. If you haven't heard our original show on it and you haven't seen this movie, just go watch it. I highly recommend it. I think it's very well done. It is a very low-budget film, but it doesn't look like it too much. I don't think you can find it anywhere, to be honest. I think we ended up having to watch this on our disc because I couldn't find it streaming anywhere. That sucks. Yeah. Oh, but I think it might be... It might be on YouTube? I don't know. But that might be worth a shot. But Morris Devereaux... Or... Sorry, that, that would be the British pronunciation. Maurice, probably, because he's French-Canadian. Uh, yeah. uh, directed this. He also previously had made the film Slashers, which is a favorite of mine. It is, and it has some of the some crossover cast members. It's good. It's fun. It's nowhere it's, near as good as this. I mean, it's cheap as hell. Yeah. And, but the idea, I think, is really... He has good ideas, and I think he manages to get them across, you know, pretty well. Here, no spoilers, a bunch of people on a late-night train, it's the subway, they're going to wherever they're going, and then out of the blue, there's some people on this train that are a bit odd. They're all dressed alike, and they're all smiling and happy. And then they all get a message to start the plan, and then they start killing everybody. They're doing it to save their souls because they think it's the end of the world. Well, therein lies the mystery. Is it the end of the world or is it just religious nut jobs going homicidal? And now the people who aren't the religious nut jobs have to get off the train, go back through the tunnels and all the, you know, service ways and fight for their lives to escape this army of religious cultists. Mm-hmm. And again, the cultists, they think they're doing good. They're always smiling and happy and singing and, you know, but they're butchering people wholesale. So that is a really good premise. And that's all I'll say from there. But I just, I really like this movie. I like how it begins and I like where it ends up. Again, it's a very cheap, low-budget film, but it looks good. And for the most part, the acting is good. There's a few questionable actors, but then again, with the... You know, the budget they had, I can't hold that against them. But this was a movie I found, I forget how I watched it the first time, but it was some random watch, and I was totally blown away with just how good it was. And yeah. I still am. In fact, we both give this one a five out of five. Ooh, I think that's our first five. Well, Train to Busan was. Oh, right, okay. But anyways, this is, in our opinion, as good as Train to Busan. So again, if you've never seen End of the Line... Look for it. It's from... Uh, I don't know if it's as good as Train to Busan. Honestly, I don't think so either. But, you know... But we love it. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know... And that's... Obviously, you guys know how we do our ratings. Yes. So, I can love Friday the 13th. And I can also love The Witch. 
Mm. You know, and they have the same rating. Well, yeah. Chopping Mall will always be my go-to example for that. Because <laughs> that movie is awesome. But anyways, that was End of Line 2007. Five out of five. Definitely go see it. Have you gotten your check from Jim Wynorski? <laughs> Not this month. We now go to another Subway film. This is Creep. But it's the one from 2004. This is another movie that I picked for our C episode of the first season of ABCs of Hidden Horror. So, you know I love this movie. It is done by Christopher Smith, who's done a bunch of good movies. He did Severance, about the people going to Eastern Europe for a, a company getaway and then running into an army of psychos. That movie is great. I love that movie. He did Triangle, which is just insanely good. It's a a time-bendy, almost slasher-like thriller set on a boat. If you've never seen Triangle, that is probably his best film, in my opinion. I highly recommend it. But he started off with this. And it's a pretty simple story. I think I've talked about it before, even after the first season but in brief uh you have a woman in london and she is just desperate for some george clooney dick she hears that george clooney's in town and she's gonna get some of that so she goes off on some late night train one thing leads to another and something is loose in the london underground something that was locked away but recently escaped and is now out and doing horrible things we meet a villain with the unassuming name of Craig, and he is just awesome. I love his look. I love how he acts. I love his backstory that nobody gives you. There's not one scene of somebody coming out with a file going, look here, you see what they were doing? No, there, you just got to pick it up. There is no, you know, old film reel that they turn on and can watch no it just it's what you pick up as the story progresses and just through set design that is excellent storytelling and this is an excellent film it is good and creepy with a name like creep it should be and bloody and icky and all that mm -hmm. what do you think about it everything you just said okay this is a it's a great movie there is one issue that i have and it's kind of plotty, so I don't want to give it away. Okay. But one thing that we kind of find out about the origin, I'm like, yeah. yeah. But for the most part, uh, and by that I mean like 99% of it, I am, I love it. He's a great villain. Oh, yeah. There's a scene in this movie that is just pure nightmare fuel just by how, I mean, you always see bad guys killing people and, you know, torturing and all that stuff. But just the way this guy does it. It is so, again, creepy. Yeah, I highly recommend this movie. I recommend any of those first three, or even Christmas Smith did uh, Black Death. Yeah. That was really good. Now, he's done some other movies. Which we also talked about on the show. Yeah. <laughs> we like him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not so much his uh, recent film. Yeah. Oh, I can't ever remember the name of it. It was the witchcraft one? Yeah. Well, yeah. the one that's in the... Directory of the church. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. And then he also did some family-friendly Christmas movie, which, honestly, I've never seen, but I have no desire to see it. But, uh, 
as far as, you know, these four movies, Creep, Triangle, Severance, and Black Death, I highly recommend all of them. As for this movie, Jamie gives it a 4, and I give it a 4.5 out of 5. See, I like it better than you. We are now back to a proper outside train. It is Howl from 2015, and this movie is right in your wheelhouse, so why don't you tell us about it? Well, I think it's kind of in the title. <laughs> it's a werewolf movie. It's all about a bunch of people. Again, this is a British film, and it's all about... A bunch of people taking the red eye. It's like a commuter train, but it goes through the forest. And their train breaks down, and they're stuck in the forest. They're out in the middle of nowhere, so they have no way to contact anyone and nowhere no to go. No cell phone. And for some reason, the train doesn't have a radio. <laughs> yeah. I think they say something like the radio's broken or something. But I was like, oh, come on, Really? But whatever. But the conductor goes outside to try to see what's going on with the train, and he doesn't come back. And then shit starts to pop off. So what we have here is the classic setup of, of you know varying degrees of personality all smushed together. And this one poor ginger train guy <laughs> is trying to keep everybody in line and keep everyone safe. He's just trying to do his job, but you've always got the people who are going to be an ass. Yeah, I jokingly always call this movie when, because I haven't seen it like that many times. I've seen it, well, now, and then a I couple years back. Times. Yeah, and every time I watch it, it's like, oh, this is... English people are assholes, the movie. Because everybody in here is a fucking dick. Well, I remember the very first time I watched this, it was recommended to me by Duncan. He saw it first. And he was like, hey, uh, you know, you'll probably like this. You should watch it. And I remember the first time I watched it, I sent him a message while I was watching it. And I'm like, whoa. This Scottish bitch is a cunt. <laughs> you know, I mean, and she was. But by the end, she kind of well, yeah, she redeemed herself. It's but. done on purpose. Everybody, with the exception of one douchebag. She even apologized for, quote, being a Karen. Yeah. Back in 2015. Nah, that was funny. Everybody has their moment of redemption. Everybody has an arc. Not everybody. Well, like I said, except for one douchebag. Oh, right. But other than that, everybody does have one moment of, yeah, okay, I'm not such a bad guy after all. And then that's usually when they die. <laughs> yeah. What I love about this is their take on werewolf lore because they're, well, one, there's, it's a family and it's like a straight up family. And you notice when you get to the end, they don't turn back. Like, I think that the idea here, and they kind of mention it in the movie a little bit, but obviously the people on the train aren't going to know the details of what's going on with these creatures or what's happening. So they just kind of guess but when we get to the end of the movie they don't turn back they're still it's morning and they're still the same well they I could either once be they turn they just are they could be um it could be just like some monstrous horrific transformation okay you're a monster now forever i'm and that's kind of where the film leads you like what it leads you to believe and that's extra tragic yeah but the design of these werewolves is different but not bad, you know, like no. they don't have those goofy hobgoblin faces like 
late phases. Like late phases. That's the that's the one. I, that's the example I was going to bring up. I love the movie Late Phases. It's a great little werewolf. It's a fantastic movie. movie. I despise the werewolf design in Just that movie. Specifically, the faces. Yeah, they they look like hobgoblins. They really do. These guys don't look like your traditional. The Howling or Dog Soldiers Werewolf. No. And they don't even look like uh, an American werewolf in London because they're they're bipedal. They have their own unique look, but I think it works for them. I do too. I, I really like it. And this one also uses a combination of practical and computer-generated effects. I don't think their computer effects are too terrible. No, because they don't draw, they don't dwell on them. They don't rub your face in them. I mean, again, if you're going to have low budget, dodgy CGI, go through it quickly. You know, do it in low lighting. You know, try to hide what your limitations are. Don't give us a brightly lit shot in slow motion so everybody can go, yeah, that looks like ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so... I really, really, really enjoy this movie. This is, uh, you know, we're always saying, uh, werewolf fans, we're always lamenting the fact that somehow the two greatest werewolf movies ever made, all they both came out in the same year 40 years ago, and we can't seem to top it. And how sad is that? I mean, what name another genre, or subgenre in this case, where arguably, or hell, in my, in my opinion, inarguably, the best examples of this genre are 40 years old for 40 years nobody's been able to top american werewolf or the howling yeah i mean we've come close with things like dog soldiers yes there's good ones but i mean you would figure somebody would have topped it by now 40 years is a long time in film history Mm -hmm. and no it just hasn't been done Yeah, and I honestly probably never will. I don't think so. This is a good one. Yeah, it's it's an example of one that if you are a werewolf fan and you've never seen it and you've been hankering for a decent werewolf flick, I do recommend Howl. I really do. It's a lot of fun. So much so that Jamie gives it a four point five, and this time I give it a four. So it's a damn good movie. I really like it. Yeah. We now go back to the subway with Deathline, a.k.a. Raw Meat, from 1972. Why don't you tell us about this one? Yeah, oh, look at that. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I don't really need to tell them about this one. We just talked about it on the show. Did we? Oh, yeah, yeah, we just saw it. Okay. Yeah, we had just seen this not too long ago, and... Coming up with movies about trains, I was like, you know what? I forget. I think you picked this one out. Yeah. But I, I agreed with him. Like, yeah, we just saw it, but it's a damn good movie. I can always watch it again. And so here we are. We gave it a second watch in a very short time. And yeah, it's still pretty damn awesome. Yeah, this is a creepy underground flick about cannibalism and people being uh, just living it's it's really a modern take at the time on the sawney bean clan and it has donald pleasance also has christopher lee very Mm -hmm. briefly yeah but donald pleasance is killing it in this movie i love his performance so much he's so funny but we did a 
we did talk about it extensively in the R episode. So if you, no, no, no. Or was it? Yeah, I think it was the R episode. It was either the R episode or we recently covered it in the one of the D episodes of the Colossal Collection. No, it was it was actually featured on the show. Okay. So it was on the R episode. So if you want to hear more about this, then just go back and listen to the actual episode about it. But it is excellent. I adore it. The Blu-ray of this is gorgeous. And yeah, I mean it's got it's got a good pedigree, great cast, great story. It looks amazing. The cinematography on this is stunning. I mean, just stunning. So I definitely recommend it. Yeah, so much so Jamie gives it a five. So do. And I will go with a four. Lame. I am just more of an honest hardcore critic than you are. Okay. <laughs> You're just a fangirl. You're like, squee! And what is wrong with that? Nothing. We now go back to the past, back to 1965. Ooh, this might be our oldest one. And it's Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Now, don't let that title fool you. It's not about house. It's about, well, mm -hmm. Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee and also Donald Sutherland and, you know, a few other... A very young Donald I Sutherland. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, as soon as he walks in, I'm like, look at young baby Donald Sutherland. He's such a baby. And then a bunch of other English actors I'm not familiar with all that much. But, uh... This they is get... an amicus. Oh, no. This uh, is an amicus. It is amicus. Okay. Anthology. Uh, they are people... They were like the yin to Hammer's Yang. They wanted to do what Hammer was doing. They specifically focused on doing the anthology films. And they did other stuff too, but that's what they were mostly known for. And they released a lot of really good 60s and 70s horror anthologies. Mm -hmm. They did the first uh, Tales from the Crypt. They did the first Vault of Horror. They did, well, this one. They did Asylum. And on and on it goes. Here... All these guys get together on a train, and it's a long train ride, and Peter Cushing is like kind of like a mystic or a fortune teller or something, and he has a pack of tarot cards, and that's what he calls his house of horrors. So that's where the title comes from. And one by one, he tells everybody their fortune with these tarot cards, but naturally, in this kind of film, everybody's fortune is going to suck. <laughs> They're all going to die. And you get five different short stories of various caliber. You know, not every story is really good here. But I don't think any of them are really all that bad either. I didn't think any of them were bad. No. And I don't think any of them are, you know, well, I should say, I do think there are some really good ones in here. So this is a good to very good anthology for me. Mm -hmm. Made me want to buy a Venus flytrap. <laughs> yeah that's true and yeah it's just it's a good horror anthology uh if you haven't seen it go check it out it is very classic and it is very 60s so don't expect lots of blood and nudity and you know the modern horror trappings but it is still a ton of fun it is very atmospheric and again it's peter cushing and christopher lee together and Donald Sutherland. Well, yeah, he's a bonus, but mostly those two together. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to be a bad time. Yeah. So, in fact, it is so good that we both give it a four. 
out of five. And then we come to the end of the rail. Is this the last one? The last Uh. of the train movies. This was one Jamie picked. End of the line. End of the line. Everybody off. Before you watch this. Get off the train. Get off the train. This was a blind (laughs) watch. It was. Neither one of us had seen it. Well, I had never even heard of it, no. but it's Tony Todd. It's about trains and it, it's a Western. It's Tony Todd. It's about trains. It's a horror Western. And you have Lance Henriksen. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like I a winning combination. A sh- I had to give it a shot. I had to. Yeah. I wish we had it. it I'm is, glad we did. I just don't need to do it again. It is not aggressively bad, but it's the Boring. laziest, lowest effort filmmaking i've seen in a long time nobody in this movie from the acting to the direction to the lighting to the cinematography nobody gave a fuck they were just all here to do a job they punched their clock they stood where they were supposed to they said their lines and that was it it was so aggravatingly just meh i mean there's nothing to this movie, there's nothing I can recommend about it. No, it's not that's even a shame. When a movie is so bad, it's good. I can have fun with it. I can laugh at it and all that stuff. This movie is the worst kind of bad. It is boring bad. Mm-hmm. You can't get any laughs from this movie. You certainly can't get any chills. All you're seeing is once really good actors, and hell, they could probably still be. But they're just slumming it for a paycheck. Yeah, and the idea here is that there's a bunch of people on a train headed to Atlanta. Yay! Yay. And then... It's it's a train to hell. It's so cheap. It's so cheap. It's It's a train (laughs) to hell. That's the big surprise. But if it surprises you at all, you just woke up from a coma. I mean, this (laughs) is painfully obvious. Again, nobody gives a shit about this film. So they don't even try to hide the fact that these are all doomed souls going on to their final reward. I don't think they even really... It felt like they were making it up as they go along. Because there's legitimately a scene in this film where the devil... Oh, which, by the way, and there's this whole demonic devil voice when they finally do, you know, shake it out that the devil's coming or is here. You can't even understand what no, they're saying. it is so it's bad. It's so bad. It's And I'm like, come on. I Like, I understand you want to do a demon-y voice, but at least make it clear. Yeah. Fucking Reagan. I can hear every <laughs> word she said, and that was 50 years ago. Like, come on. But there is legitimately a scene in this movie where the devil tells them that they, you know, virtually have to vote someone off. And... It's, it's like Survivor. <laughs> it's it, no, it is because there he gives them challenges, you know, and to decide who's going to hell. And I'm like, get get the fuck out of here. And they're so lame and they're so arbitrary. Again, nobody cared. There's not one scene of care in this film. It's like literally the dictionary definition of going through the motions they had a job to do and so yeah it's not egregiously bad it's but it's just it is bland it's like wallpaper paste it's just they had some i thought they were gonna have some interesting ideas because the tony todd character is a murderer who is wanted because he keeps scalping people, but he keeps, what he's doing is his family was 
killed and scalped in front of him by slave owners. And he has then gone on a rampage just murdering the families and the slave owners, the, the slave, murdering slave owners and their families in the same fashion out, out of revenge. But we also meet, there's a, a woman that comes on the train and she does, she no longer is a slave, but she still works for the woman who used to own her. And they're, you know, so they're both there. Then you have a bounty hunter and he's the only character that I think is actually delivers anything of interest because he, the, the actor is very funny and he, it's not supposed to be a comedy, but he, you know, he has his little comedic moments and I think he does a good job. Other than that, like Lance Henderson doesn't seem to give a shit. Tony Todd doesn't give a shit. Nobody gives a shit. No. <laughs> and it's just, it's disheartening. Because I thought, I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe they're going to go somewhere with this. With this whole, you know, slave backstory thing. And Nope. <clears throat> I mean, it's there. It's running. It's there. It's part of the story. But it doesn't build to movie, anything. But Nothing is resolved at the end. It is just. Ultimately, uh, it's just pointless. And it, the whole movie is. So, I hate to say it. I don't like to trash movies. That's no. the whole point of our show is to talk about the good in horror, to celebrate horror. But this was a blind watch and you take a chance and sometimes this is what good. happens. Yeah. But Dave warned me. He did. He's like, good luck with that one. When I told him what, why has watching. he seen it or just, no, assumed? he just, and that's why, because he is, you know how he is. He's, he's very uh, discerning in what he watches. He prides himself on, you know, getting through the entire year without watching a shitty movie because of his very specific uh, <laughs> qualifications for a movie to make his watch list. And the fact that I had never heard of this film at all. Yeah. Should, I mean, but see, how do you avoid, like, how do you turn away from something like that? Here is a horror Western with Tony Todd that I've never even heard of. Of course I have to give it a try because it could be amazing. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> and it's a very depressing way to end off our train section. Yes. We definitely derailed when it came to the end. Yeah. Our our caboose let us down. Uh, we both gave this one a two out of five. And again, that's because it is not a horrible, horrible movie. It is just not in any way, shape, or form good yeah. or entertaining. So, yeah. As much as they didn't give a shit about this movie, don't you give a shit about it. Just pass on this one. Yeah, don't bother. That will mean that we are pulling into the station. Mm-hmm. And next up... Road trip! Yeah! It's time to jump in the car holiday and hit the open road. road. <laughs> holiday road. It'll be a highway to hell. It just keeps getting punnier. <laughs> we'll be right back. My monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the mash 
He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. Wow. From my laboratory in the castle east wow. to the master bedroom where the vampires peace. Wow. The ghouls all came from their humble abode wow. to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the match. They did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. They did the match. It caught on in a flash. They did the match. They did the monster match. The zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests included Wolfman, Dracula, and his son. The scene was rocky. All were digging the sounds. Igor on chains, backed by his baying hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five. They played the match. They played the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. They played the match. It caught on in a flash. They played the match. They played the monster match. Out from his coffin, Rex's voice did ring. Seemed he was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, "Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist?" It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. The monster mash. And it's a graveyard smash. It's now the mash. It's caught on in a flash. It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. Now everything's cool. Drax a part of the band, and my monster mash. Hit of the land for you, the living. This mash was meant to. When you get to my door, tell them what is said. Then you can mash. Then you can monster mash. The monster mash. And do my graveyard smash. Then you can mash. You'll catch on in a flash. Then you can mash. Then you can monster mash. It is now time for us to zoom on in to the third segment. Here in my car, I feel safest of all. I can lock all the doors. It's the only way to live in cars. <laughs> that was that was good. Right, that know, was good. It was just like Gary Newman was in the house <laughs> with us. Hello, everybody, and happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Or as they say, happy spooky season. Nope, stop. <laughs> you just had to get one more in there. Yeah. So, uh, we went to go see Dawn of the Dead in 3D. Woohoo! It was um, a ton of fun. That was so much fun. It was such the perfect movie for that, too. Yeah. Uh, just so many cool things. The theater was packed, which surprised the hell out of me and made me very happy. Uh, the 3D was really well done. It was mostly that whole depth of field kind of 3D. Yeah, real 3D. But there is a few scenes where they stick something at the screen. Mostly a lot of guns, I noticed. Well, and um, 
some glass breaks. Well, yeah, then they added like some extra effects phase. that weren't in the original, like when the zombie breaks the window on the truck, a bunch of glass flew right at the screen. Uh, when one zombie gets shot, there's a big bloody chunk of the back of the head goes flying at the screen, and all that stuff was new. But it was it was fun. That bit where Tom Savini is spraying them with the seltzer bottle. Yeah, that was one. That yeah. was cool because it looked like it was coming right at your face. So it was a lot of fun. That, that was great. I'm sure some of our listeners probably did that too. Hopefully. You know, but totally worth it. Whole lot of fun. I mean, it was worth it just seeing it on the big screen. I actually noticed a few things I've never yeah. seen or noticed before. And I've seen this movie so many times. Yeah, I mean, I was telling you that on the way home. Yeah. Like, I've seen this movie 30 to 40 times. And easily i mean i've never kept count but easily but it it really helps having it on the big huge screen so that was a lot of fun that was probably the best thing we did this halloween we didn't go to any haunts we usually do just this year got away from us and you know etc etc but that was fun well like last weekend you were sick yeah um we had i mean there's just there was a lot going on this year but yeah so we didn't we did go. We did do one haunt at um, Cedar, Cedar Point. Point. Yeah, it wasn't good, but no. we did. But I had wanted to go to uh, Eloise Asylum. Yeah, because I have a friend who works there, and she was gonna get us discount tickets, which is awesome because they're expensive, they're super expensive. But we didn't get a chance to. But we did uh, decorate the yard, and you mostly did it, and you did an excellent job. Thank you. It looks really good. It's a huge graveyard. Uh, We got a bunch of candy for the kids. We watched all our Halloween movies that we're supposed to. And then today on Halloween itself, we have a whole bunch more we need to watch. But we will. So all in all, I'm happy with this Halloween. I don't feel like we missed that much out of it. No, we had a pretty good, uh, pretty solid Halloween. We also went to see Iron Maiden. Yeah, that's uh, always good. Which is not Halloween related, but it's metal. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did a guest spot on Eternal Darkness of Not So Spotless Minds with with Kate and Matt. That was a lot of fun. That was cool. We talked about... Even if Matt doesn't like trick or treat. Yeah. Which is lame. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. We um, we saw a trick or I mean, we talked about trick or treat from 1986, and yep. we talked about the Devil's Candy. Two excellent films. Yeah, we tried to keep it metal, mm-hmm. and because metal rocks. And then when the kids come up, I'm hoping to scare the living daylights out of them. Hopefully, because the weather says it's supposed to be raining, yeah. which sucks. It. I mean, we just had like a whole week of nice little chilly but nice clear beautiful weather and then of course on halloween it's supposed to be raining yeah so hopefully not but oh well that rain never stopped me when i was a kid yeah from trick-or-treating well i'm sure the kids are gonna come out but i don't know if i'm gonna be wanting to sit out there in it well we have an awning i'll be i'll be on the porch okay you do that i'll watch you no you gotta do it too it's gonna be fun yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, if it's raining, it's see not a whole happen. bunch of little kids piss themselves. Because <laughs> we do have a lot of little kids that come. Yeah, trick or treat. I wouldn't try to scare the little ones. I mean, I don't want to. I'm not going to. be... If they're like seven or above, then they're fair game. But I'm not going to be like violent about it, you know. But 
you know, just, you know, if you don't expect something to move and then it does, then, yeah. you know. Yeah, I so. guess. Anyway, um, we're here to talk about what cars. We're here to talk about, although I guess we are. It's Halloween related. This is Halloween. Yeah. So, but yes, we are here to talk about our ten car movies that were or automobile movies that yeah. we watched for planes, trains, and automobiles. And let go. Okay. Well, we start. It sounded like Ricky Morgan when I did that. <laughs> let go. <laughs> uh-huh. We start with probably one of the best automobile horror-related movies of all time. And actually, this was the easiest segment to fill. When we oh, did, yeah. you we know... We even didn't have to watch Christine. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, I thought for sure we would, but we had so many good automobile-related horror stuff that I was like, no, nah, man. I could have come up with more, yeah. even. Now, and I don't, by have to watch Christine, I don't mean that. Yeah, that's no hardship. As, yeah, it's not a bad movie. I love that movie a lot. But we watched it for the Stephen King Halloween, so I was trying to stay away from it if we could, just because And we did it. watch it when we were in our seas for yeah. the collection, so we have seen it twice recently. That's why it's not part of this list. But it could have been, and it should have been. It is an excellent movie all about automotive horror. Mm -hmm. But so is this one, and it is Duel from 1971. This was a made-for-TV movie, but again, this was the 70s when not only PG, but even TV movies still had some balls to them. It was written by Richard Matheson based on a short story by him, and it is the directorial debut of one... At least feature length. Feature. Well, yeah, he did short films and stuff like that, but nobody counts that. <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Yay! And this shows just how good he really is. Out of the fucking gate. You may not, you know, not everything he directs may be your cup of tea, and sometimes he does lean a little too heavily into the sappy sentimentality bullshit... But he is a damn good director. He, oh, he is. He knows how to use the camera. He knows how to set up a shot. He knows action. He knows drama. Um, comedy, he's a little weak on. All you have to do is look at 1941 and Ugh. you can see that. But Suspense. Suspense. Uh, this, this film is filled with suspense. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, I this is another one of those movies where I've seen it so many times that it had, you know, I don't always pay attention to every Yeah, it becomes frame. almost background. But this time, I did. Like, I zeroed in on it. And I gotta tell you, it is impressive as hell. He, for a begin, his first movie. Yeah. He really shows fucking skill. And little things that he still does to this yes. day. But, uh, like, there's a shot. It is totally unnecessary as far as it does not add anything to the story. If you removed it, it wouldn't matter. But there is a simple shot of there. We're following Dennis Weaver driving down a road. And there is a woman who is hanging laundry. And she is sort of backlit by the the sun as... You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a, yeah. a, an orange glow to the shot, and it, she's sort of in silhouette because she's backlit by the sun. It is gorgeous. Like, a beautiful shot. And then you see a shooting star. And, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't need it. But no. it is just... That's it's what it, one of those things that Spielberg knows will 
enhance his film. That's what a good director does. They don't just pick the essential, like, there's a fine line, I guess, between padding your movie to all hell, kind of like what, what Quentin Tarantino did in one of his movies we'll be talking about, or just adding little bits and pieces just to enhance your story. In other words, it doesn't get in the way, it doesn't bring everything to a screeching halt, and it is just ego masturbation for the next 15 minutes. It is just little touches that enhance the story as it's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's what this movie does so well. And uh, this movie was a tour de force for Dennis Weaver. Oh, yeah. Uh, he carries the whole movie. Uh, the well, truck it's driver by and large, is, it's a one-man show. Yeah. The truck driver that's chasing him, you know, he never says no. a word. You don't ever see his face. He's always you faceless. He is... You see an arm, and you see some cowboy boots. Yeah. That's it. But that is great. I love that. I love the look of the truck, how it's all old and gnarly it's and dirty. It's got those dirty. license plates yeah. across the front, that, Which, you or know, across the back and the front, I think. that They're like trophies of yeah. other people he's taken out. It is just really, really good. Yeah, and there's that one shot where he's, uh, Dennis Weaver is sort of parked, you know, he's gotten away for a moment and... He's parked by the train tracks, and then the train comes through. Yeah, and but he's just sit, the camera sits on him, just his just watching his emotions for a long time, and he he's sort of delivering this monologue. He has an inner monologue that runs throughout the movie because there's not really much dialogue, so the majority of it is his inner monologue. It is just brilliant. It. It's and it does neat things like in that same scene when he's sitting by the train tracks and then he gets startled awake. Spielberg moves the camera. He moves it in and then he moves it around and he's zooming in on uh, Dennis Weaver's face. And then he starts swinging it back the other way, but he's doing so to purposely hide what's behind the guy. And you just know the trucker is going to be back there or something. But no. It's like he does it so purposely to play with your expectations. I mean, this is what an other director would do, you know, try to hide the fact and then give you that the final sting. swinging movement of the camera to, for the big reveal and dun-dun-dun. And Spielberg does everything right up to that point. He's moving purposely slow and carefully and then no truck. And I just, I love that. He keeps you on your toes. And again, it just shows that even at a very young age, he knew what the hell he was talking about. There's a reason why he is such a huge mega director. It ain't by chance. He's damn good. Yeah. I And I gotta tell you, again, I've seen this movie a lot, but I was anxious as hell when I was watching this movie. It's just the 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 parts where he's chasing him on the downgrade and then on the upgrade. Mm -hmm. And then it's just... And, you know, his uh, he doesn't have... A radiator hose, so his car is overheating, and you don't know if he's going to make it. And, like, I'm just, I was just, like, tied up in knots. And I know this movie like the back of my hand, yeah. but it still works. For those out there who haven't seen this movie, well, you should. But in case you haven't, it's a, there's a guy who's a traveling salesman. He's going through the desert, and he just happens to run into this big, nasty, gnarly truck and by passing him, he somehow angers the truck driver, who is obviously just out looking for somebody to fuck with. Uh, you can tell he's that kind of guy. And the fact that it, it just keeps building to a homicidal ending. Yeah, he basically 
gets a psychotic trucker mad at him, and the whole rest of the movie is one long chase. It's not one continuous chase, although they do have a final chase at the end. I never, I always want to stopwatch it. I always want to know how long it is. I never think to do it, and usually when once it kicks off, I'm so wrapped up into it, I don't remember that I should be timing it until it's been on for 10 minutes. But it's got to be at least 20 minutes, if not longer, of just pure chase. And that is awesome. It just goes and goes and goes. And, you know, they're trading blows. And the car is, you know, now spitting steam. And it's slowing down. And the truck is... And it's just... It is paid off for, like, maximum effect. It is excellent. This movie is just amazing. So, I mean, if you've never seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, and pay close attention to the end for a specific sound that you will also hear in Jaws at the end. Yes. No big surprise, we both give it a 5 out of 5. Yeah, I mean, I'd give it higher if I could. This is a film I've loved my whole life. And whenever it was on TV, or if I saw that it was going to be coming on TV, I would be, uh, you know, I remember being like 13 14, maybe, and I saw that it was in the TV guide, but it wasn't coming on until 1 a.m. I stayed up to watch it. I had school the next day. I didn't care. <laughs> I was watching Duel. So it's just, it's so fucking good. It's so good. But we have other movies to talk about. So what's next? Next, we go to another all time classic. It is another 70s flick. I want a lot of those. Oh, yeah. In this, I want to say it might be PG. But once again, this was the 70s and PG had balls. Because this movie is The Car. And it starts off with two kids. And by kids, I mean teenagers. You know, they're not little kids, but they're not adults. They're uh, riding their bikes and having a good time. And then this big, black, gnarly car comes out of nowhere and kills them. And it's not bloody. It's not, you know, grotesque or overly in your face. But any movie that starts off snuffing two kids gets my immediate intention. I'm like, okay, this movie ain't playing. Let's let's see where it goes. And where it goes is really good. The story here is, once again, a desert. I guess that's where all homicidal cars come from. There is a small desert town. I want to say New Mexico or Arizona. It's Arizona. Okay. And one day... Out of the blue, no rhyme, no reason, and I love that. No backstory about, oh, you see, we did a, you know, witchcraft, or, you know, somebody died in this car, and now it, no, it just, for no fucking reason, a car comes out of the desert, and it is... Just starts murdering people. Yeah, it just starts running people over, and it is such a good-looking car. It's custom-built, so it doesn't look like anything else in the world. It is long and black, and the windows are tinted, and it has all these fins and this big-ass air horn, and it just... Wah-wah! Yeah. It just grinds people up, and it's just killing and killing and killing, and... Pretty soon, we, the audience, are, you know, clued into the fact that it's obviously supernatural. And the characters in the story eventually come to that conclusion, too, but it takes them, you know, of course, longer to do so. And this car is just running amok. And there is so many good scenes. The car kills a woman 
in her house. Yeah. <laughs> Which and is that's awesome. a great scene. Yes, it, it is. is. So, oh my God. And it's such a punch in the gut because you think she's going to be you one love, of the you, heroes. You love her. Like, yeah. I really love her character. And she showed off that she's not amazing. afraid of the car. And, you know, and that's why it comes back to kill her because she pissed it off. But, you know. She taunted she, it. Yeah, she's yeah. feisty and she's a little badass and... And this movie just takes her out. James Brolin is the lead in this film. And it also has the Richards sisters, Kim and Kyle. Okay. Kyle being from Halloween, who played the... Well, I mean, she still plays Lindsay in Halloween to this day. And then Kyle was the little girl that was in Assault on Precinct 13 that got shot with the ice cream cone. (laughs) Not shot with an ice cream cone. That would have been awesome. She had an ice cream (laughs) cone and she got shot. I want a gun that shoots ice cream cones. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're both in this playing sisters, which is cool. They were everywhere in the 70s and uh, like Little House on the Prairie. They were, um, they look so much alike. And I just loved seeing it. Well, and Escape from Witch Mountain and just they were everywhere. So it's it's always cool to see them pop up just Mm -hmm. because they remind me of being a kid. Yeah, that's a fun movie. And do you know, I was actually late to the party on this movie I didn't see it until The Simpsons did. Do you remember when they did that whole Guillermo del Toro inspired mm-hmm. intro course. that had Cthulhu? With the big Cthulhu and, and the Yeah, uh, and there was a reference to the car yep, in that it's intro. An awesome movie. And that's what made me watch the movie. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. I've seen this movie a long time ago for the first time, and I always loved it. I've watched it here and there. Luckily, I want to say it's Scream Factory has a Blu-ray of it out. And it's beautiful, and it's full of goodies, and I just highly recommend it. I love this movie. Again, it shows what PG could be, at least back in the day. Nowadays, I guarantee it would be R-rated. The exact same cut, nothing else added, but the MPAA may be PG-13. I'd say PG-13, because I don't think anybody says fucker, and there's no boobs. Eh, maybe. So. But it... It is just, it is a great movie, it's a fun movie, and it's a great addition to the whole killer car thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, almost a decade before Christine. Cat poo! And cat poo. (laughs) So yeah, uh, this movie is awesome. We both give it a surprise, surprise, five out of five. And from one awesome movie right into another, at least as far as I'm concerned, uh, we go to Joyride from 2001, and this stars Paul Walker, Steve Zahn, and Lele Sobieski with the voice of... Ted Levine. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know why I couldn't remember his name, but uh, yeah, the voice of Ted Levine as Rusty Nail. And holy cow, I love this movie. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. Now, It's basically... I take this as almost like a spiritual sequel to Duel. Yeah. Yeah. It is Duel for the modern, or at least, you know, 2001 age. Because mm-hmm. it's exact. It's essentially the same thing. Some mysterious psycho truck driver. We never see him. I mean, we kind of see him at the end. He does get out of a truck and he does run around a little bit, but we never clearly see him. Here we do get the addition of his voice. Because they utilize a CB and all that stuff to great effect. And come on, if you're going to use a psycho's voice, you really can't do much better than Ted Levine. Yeah, for sure. His voice is just amazing for this. And this, um, 
This was in 2001, so cell phones existed, but everyone didn't have them. Yeah. It was, most people didn't at this time, you know, so still. So there are no cell phones in the movie. And that's, you know, they get ACB and put it in the car because they're driving across country. And the Steve Zahn character, who is, they're, they're brothers in the movie. He's like, you know, oh, we get it for traffic reports and to see where the cops are so we can know where to speed or whatever. Which is true. They do use it for that. But they also do a little bit of prank calling. Some good old-fashioned CB prank calls. And that is what gets the attention of Rusty Nail. But I don't think that he was innocent before that. Oh, no. You know, I think they just happened to awaken the Yeah, wrong it's thing. clear this dude is messed up and he's not about violence because he gives into it so easily and he does it so well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this ain't his first rodeo. So, yeah, they just happened to pick the wrong guy to fuck with. And uh, what I love about this is... I love Paul Walker and Steve Zahn together. I think they're believable as brothers. They have an amazing chemistry. And yeah. you can see how many times in this film that they're just laughing for real. And I know that Steve Zahn did some ad-libbing while he was doing this. And you know, Paul Walker just starts laughing at him. But it seems so natural. And it works. And there are a lot of great suspense moments in this film. I think a lot of people toss it to the side, but... Well, you know, honestly, I always have. And so this time I did really put on my critic's hat and watch this with a very critical eye. And I wound up going, you know what? This is better than I've given it credit. I never hated this movie, but yeah, I kind of was like, yeah, that's a movie. Um, You know, (laughs) it was fine, but that's about it. But it is surprisingly well done. It's well written. I like the characters. Co-written by J.J. Abrams. Yeah. And, well, not everything he does is awesome, but he can do a good story when he puts his mind to it. And, yeah, I ended up liking this more than I usually do. Yeah, good. I still don't love it. I mean, I give it a four out of five, which means I really like it, and I do. You, on the other hand, do give it a five out of five. I love it. I fucking love it. I love this movie. This is one of those movies that I got. um, It was... Like in my first round of, when I first got a DVD player, this was one of the first movies that I got. And I just watched it over and over and over. Because you know how it is. You have a new piece of equipment, but you only have so many pieces of media. So you just keep, just so you can use it, you watch them. I watched all the special features and all of that, all the commentary and everything. My first DVD was Twister. (laughs) Just because that was, you know, such high-end back then you know that was like how you would test your system the first one i had was as good as it gets and that's because the dvd well i'm telling you (laughs) the dvd player was given to me as a gift and they gave me that because i'm as good as it gets but i do really like that movie but this the one the first one i bought for myself was um deep blue sea Mm, i can see that yeah and Anyway, this one, the only problem is they couldn't decide they couldn't decide on an ending. There are four alternate endings to this movie. Huh. So if you have it on disc, then you've got four alternate endings yeah. you can watch. Ultimately, I think they picked mostly the best one. There is one more that I think could have worked as well, but whatever. Just going into it and watching it as is, you you know, you wouldn't know that, so it's fine. But I think, uh, oh, and also um, Marco Beltrami does the score. Oh, okay. So if you are a Scream fan, you'll recognize his music. Yeah. Yeah, it is very Scream-like. Yeah. 
But yeah, uh, that is Joyride. It's a damn good movie. It is a damn good movie. And we're going to go to another damn Plus, good movie. Paul Walker and Steve Zahn are naked. Yeah, woo! Walking across the parking lot, and just from behind. But you know, Paul Walker, he had a permanent spot on my list. You know, your what? list of five celebrities. celebrities that, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a permanent, he had a, and I always called it to the, he had a platinum membership. Why isn't he on there anymore? He still is. <laughs> like now? Yeah. You would dig up his body and fuck it? No, I, but <laughs> I am never, I am never giving up his spot. Like no one will take his spot. He has a lifetime of mine, my mm-hmm. lifetime, not his, but he had a lifetime membership of he is dreamy. I give you that. I love him. Anyways, next movie. Uh, Nightmares from 1983. This will probably be a little bit lesser known to some out there. I, I had never seen it before. This, oh, yeah. This was your first time watch. Yeah. I swear to God, I thought I showed this to you because we got this on Blu-ray again, I think, from Scream Factory. And I reviewed it, I forget, like a couple years back. I know I watched it for that and I can only assume... I watched it with you, but I guess I didn't. Yeah, no, and there was one segment, the Emilio Estevez segment. I think I've seen it before, but I don't think I've seen the whole thing. What I think I'm remembering is watching a YouTube video about it or something. Uh, Maybe. Or some, some... How I saw some clips from it. But the other two segments, there are only three, right? Four. Four, oh, okay. So the other three segments, I had no memory of at all. Okay. So I've... Yeah, I I hadn't seen it. Okay, well, maybe the listeners haven't seen it either. If so, you should seek it out. You it should. Is, it's good. It is a horror anthology, so you know I'm down with that. I love it that there's no wraparound or whatever. It's just story, story, story. And that works. Uh, we begin with one that eh, takes place largely in a car, so it fits this little... Uh, marathon of ours it's about a woman who's a smoker and she decides to go out and get a pack of cigarettes despite their being in the area tonight an escaped mental patient who yeah. just killed the cop but she doesn't care she has to get those cancer sticks hmm kind of sounds like somebody i know i wonder if isn't isn't that called nightmare in topanga or yeah. something because it's in topanga canyon and it's based off the Urban legend that was also used in the movie, Urban Legends. The whole idea about, well... Yeah, don't. It's a spoiler. Yeah, don't I do guess it. not. But, um... You'll recognize it, probably, but it's done very well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it got me. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't expect that, so... And that alone would make it worth adding to this little marathon of ours, but we do have another car segment coming up. But first... After that, we go to The Bishop of Battle, which is a very young Emilio Estevez. He is addicted to playing arcade video games, one specifically called The Bishop of Battle, that he just, it has 13 levels, and he can never crack the 13th level. He keeps getting up to level 12 and dying, and he's like the best there is, and he's obsessed, and he's hustling other kids to get money to go play his video game. Zach. He's a Bishop of Battle maniac. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually, you know, it's almost Twilight Zone-y where his obsession gets the better of him. Mm -hmm. It's nothing amazing, but it's fun. I like the... These were early, early, 
you know, computer effect. I don't even think there are technically computer effects. I think it's just animation that they did over the film mm -hmm. like they used to do back in the day. Yeah. But uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, after that, we come to the other automobile-centric story. Automobile? Benediction. The Benediction. That's it. And it has uh, Lance Henriksen. Yes. So, I mean, right there, that's worth the price of admission in my book. Lance plays a priest, again, in some desert area. This place just... If you have an evil car somehow related to the story, it's going to take place in the desert. He's going through a crisis of faith and eventually just goes, you know, there's no God, there's no, you know, I'm done. And so he leaves his little uh, mission. He so conveniently grabs a big jug of water and the other priest's like, hey, that's holy water. And Lance is like, no, it's not. It's just tap water and I'm going to need it. Brr. And he starts driving through the desert just to go somewhere. And once you know it, Satan comes up in a pickup truck. And it's another sort of like duel, sort of like the car where it's some supernatural, I guess duel ain't supernatural, but it's a big bad truck trying to kick his ass for the whole segment. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's very simple. It's one priest in a car versus some thing in his big black tinted window truck. But it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And they do some neat things with it. And... That's mainly the reason why I picked it for this uh, watch of ours. But I'm more than happy with that. And then finally, the last segment is about, you know, people living in a house. Richard Mauser and... Veronica Cartwright. Thank you. And a little girl who could be Drew Barrymore, but she's not. Although it's, it's like her twin sister. And they just have a nice, happy little family. And then something starts happening. Not so much with the happy family. Richard Mazur is kind of a dick. In he is kind of a dick. But I mean, the mom gets along with the daughter. And for the most part, the daughter gets along with the dad. I think it's mostly just the dad and the wife having some issues. Yeah. Anyways, if you've ever seen a movie of unknown origin with Peter Weller, I highly recommend it. If you've seen that movie and you know what that's about, that's kind of what this is about. If you haven't seen that movie, you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm not going to tell you. But just, it's a good little typical suburban family, and then something has invaded their space, and it's now fucking with them. Yep. So yeah, four stories, relatively short, in, out, done, no muss, no fuss. And they're all good. I mean, they're, they're all solid. They're good, they're acted well, they're directed well, and just, it's a lot of fun. But this is one of those horror anthologies I never hear talked about, at least not enough. So, uh, if you've never seen Nightmares from 1983, I highly recommend it. I do as well. In fact, we both recommend it to the tune of four out of five. Okay, uh, next up, uh, this is the Tarantino movie that Brian referenced earlier, and that is Death Proof from 2007, one half of Grindhouse. Yes. We did not watch Planet Terror. Uh, we didn't do the whole Grindhouse thing. We started with the trailers, which are, which are awesome. like in between the two movies, yeah. and then you know went into this movie. And I was really excited to watch this one because this is one that you have never liked. No. And every time we talk about Tarantino movies, and I talk about how much I like Death Proof, you're just like, meh. 
you know, you've never liked it. But I think you liked it more this time. Well, I liked it a lot more this time. I still have some issues with it, and I stand by that statement. I think Tarantino was too far up his own ass. I give the guy credit. He is a damn good director, and I think he's even a better writer, specifically of dialogue. But therein, I think, lies the problem. He knows he's good, so he begins to like his stuff a little bit too much. And a lot of authors and a lot of movie makers or whatever, a lot of people fall into that trap. Hell, have you ever seen, what was that, The Love Witch? Yeah, oh God. That woman needed an editor. Jesus. And that was a fine movie. I liked it, but it God. It looked beautiful. Damn, you don't a, need to show us everything you ever shot for it. Yeah, it was a beautiful movie. It it was a good story, but Jesus Christ. Yeah, she needed an editor other than herself. Yes. She edited Well, that that's just it. Herself. It's hard to edit yourself. You need a second person to come in and go, you know, what you did was good, but it's not needed. And I think that is the biggest problem with this movie. There's so much stuff in here. It is so long. It just takes forever to get going. There's all these little breaks and all the bits in and of themselves are fine. But somebody needed to come in and go, you know what, Quentin? This is great and all. You don't need it. But it does nothing for the story except slow it down. It gets in the way. This is something that I think is very cool about this movie, and I never noticed it until this viewing. But in the beginning, because these are grindhouse movies, that's the whole point, you get the whole missing reel thing and the scratchy film. Yeah, and the but cigarette they burns. But and... they did it before everybody and yes. their mother was doing it. It was yeah. cool when, when they did When Grindhouse it. did it, I will let them do it, because, you know, that's what they were trying to do, give you the Grindhouse experience. Yeah. I am so sick and tired of movies nowadays just, oh, it's a movie set in the 80s, so everything is scratchy and, you know, ooh, VHS fuzz, you can't forget that, and, oh, shut up. <laughs> but what I love about this is it's kind of like in, the, the movie's kind of in two parts. Yes. You get, in the beginning, w one group of girls that has, like, Jordan Ladd and... I don't remember who else is in that group, but they're kind of not really, but kind of being terrorized, not terrorized, but well, no. stuntman Mike is in their life. He comes into their life. It's and four girls are out on a night on a town. One of them's a radio DJ. One of them just came into town. They're having fun. They're going out to a bar. They're smoking dope and dancing and just being silly. They're having a good time. And just so happens stuntman Mike, the psychopath, happens to be there and you get the idea that he's been following them since he has pictures of them and all that but yeah that's the first that yes. that, that first group is in the first part of the film and in that you get the missing reels and the scratchy yes. films and the cigarette burns and all of that stuff but once that segment is over and you we go to the next go group of girls a second group of girls so and you don't see that like, if you're watching this movie for the first time, you wouldn't expect that. Nope. You'd think that this main set of girls is going to be your through the whole thing. But that's so really he, not the point of the movie. He does do a bit of a psycho there where he does, you know... Yeah. He introduces you to people. He builds them up. He gives them good character. And so you're like, I like these girls. And then, boom! Dead. Yeah. <laughs> but then, once it switches from that part of the film to the main part of the film, 
It is purely Tarantino yes. cinematic. You get wide, beautiful shots. No more scratches. No, no more, more missing, missing reels. or None of that. It yeah. is a straight up Tarantino film. And I film. love that change. Yes. It's subtle, but you do notice it. Once you notice it, you can tell. Yeah, the once you notice it. The colors are brighter. You can't unnotice no. it. And I can't believe it took me until this viewing to notice that. But once I did, I was just stunned. I'm like, oh my God. Like, this is. It's like he did that first part to satisfy the gr- the grindhouse qualifications. And then he was like, okay, but here's the real movie. And you're getting all me from here on out. And that has some amazing stunts by Zoe oh, Bell. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. She is insane. She is insane. But she's so amazing. I love yeah. her. But uh, Rosario Dawson is it's in that It's got a hell of a car chase. It's got some hell of a good, more than one, but at least one awesome stunt. It is just, it is a good film. I think there's too much of it. I still think Tarantino really needed to cut it down some. But what we get is good. I do enjoy it now a hell of a lot more than I ever have before. It's still not my favorite Tarantino movie, but I just don't think the guy can make a bad movie. In my opinion. I know some people don't like him. And then you always get the douchebags, sorry, out there are like, you know, he just copies other people and puts the stuff in his films. Yeah, that's what every movie maker ever in the history of movies has done. Well, we That's just, what every writer does. That's what every mu- musician does. That's what every artist does. You create shit by what inspired you. Yeah, and we actually just this weekend watched an interview with him because he has a new book out. Yeah. And we watched an interview with him where he was talking about and he goes into this in the book about how his life was changed when his uncle took him to see a Jim Brown movie one Saturday night when he was like nine. Yeah. And it wasn't even his uncle. It was just some dude that was trying to fuck his mom. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was <laughs> some guy who was trying to get with his mom. Uh, he was also a professional football player. Yep. <laughs> but uh, he, from that moment on, has been, every movie he's made has been him trying to recreate that feeling, which is why he goes back to those old movies mm-hmm. that mean so much to him, and he pulls things directly from them. And he's never lied about it. He's never hidden it. He's never said that he didn't do it. He's like, yeah, this is this is what, in, he'll, he's always been upfront about it. And to me, that's the difference between an homage and a ripoff. Well, because yeah. if you're going to acknowledge what you're doing and say, yeah, I mean, gleefully, this is what I'm doing, then I don't think that that's ripping anything off. I think that it's clearly just him showcasing the things that made him love movies. And to be honest, that's what I love about his movies. Yeah. Because I watch his movies and I see things in his movies that also made me love movies growing up. So it's like he's talking to me. It's like every time he makes a movie, he makes it just for me. And it's also... He is legit in his love of film. Oh my god. He's probably You cannot call him a poser. No, he's probably the most cinephile person I know of. He just he eats, breathes, sleeps, shits movies. Mm-hmm. That's his whole life. And I respect that. And he has a great deal of knowledge. I, he's one of those people that honestly oh, yeah, he's likes an, he's an encyclopedia of yeah. film. He's kind of like Eli Roth in that and and I, he's he is, I think, more knowledgeable 
yes. obviously more experienced than Eli and better than and Eli Roth. Yeah. But Eli Roth is a true blue yes. horror fan, and I could listen to him tell stories forever. Like I just love to hear him talk about horror and its impact on him and and you know movies that he loves. I, it, it's exactly the same with Tarantino. I could just listen to him talk and be totally happy. Just hours. Just yeah. go. You know, and uh, it's, yeah. I I love this movie. I think it's better than Planet Terror. I don't. I like Planet Terror better. I do like Planet Terror, but I think this is a better film. But that's just me. Yeah. Again, I got much more respect for it than I ever did before. I still, again, don't think it's his best work. And I still really wish somebody would take a pair of scissors to it and trim it down some. But it's still... Not still. It did really impress me. If you've never seen it, go see it. If you've never seen Grindhouse, the dual, or I guess double feature, I highly recommend that because that's fun through and through. And then those trailers and all the extra bits in it just make it... Yeah, you get a Rob Zombie trailer, an Eli Roth trailer, um, Edgar Edgar Wright trailer. Is that it? Uh, No, the... well, yeah, you also get Machete Kills, but that was also done by, uh, goddamn, what's Rodriguez? His name? Yeah, Rodriguez. If you have the time, I recommend watching it as it was intended yes. to be seen. And that is watch Planet Terror, watch the trailers in between, and then watch Grindhouse. I mean, Grindhouse. Then watch Death Proof. Death Proof. Yeah. And if you have the time to do it, that's how it was released in the theater. And that's how they intended. And you know, for years, you couldn't do that. They, they really, initially, they released them separately. I remember that, yeah. And, you know, you had the, to buy both movies. The and, Blu-ray we got, I don't, I forget who did it. It's not a boutique, so it's probably a major studio. But uh, they have the complete package. Yeah. And it's really good. And I wish that movie had done better, because I would love to see more Grindhouse films like that. Mm-hmm. You know, modern films, but made with that sensibility. And not just to, you know... The scratchy film and the, all of yeah. that. You know, but everything that is that yes. it was rolled into Grindhouse movies. Which I'm a huge fan of Grindhouse oh, films. Oh, yeah. I love them. And, I mean, the trashier, the better yeah. for me. So, <laughs> when I heard this was coming out, I was so excited. Plus, it was Rodriguez... And Tarantino. I was way more excited about the Tarantino part. I do love Rodriguez. I love, because I love From Dust Till Dawn. Mm. But then when he started doing like Spy Kids and shit well, like yeah. that, I don't care. But I do love From Dust Till Dawn. I love them working together. And I think that the, that this package that they created was just pitch perfect. Yeah. Well, you give it a five out of five. I don't like it to that extent, but I do give it a four. Yay! You want to... Uh, yay. Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Well, we've already <laughs> talked about an Emilio Estevez movie, so now we get to talk about a Charlie Sheen movie. And what would that be? And if you don't know why that is uh, notable, they're brothers, if you didn't know. I'm sure everybody knows that, but just in case. Uh, this is The Wraith from 1986, and how did you put it? It stars Charlie Sheen... Nick Cassavetes, Sherilyn Finn, and Clint Howard's amazing hair. <laughs> but it also has um, Randy Quaid yeah. as the sheriff. And is that it for... F- Mostly, I think that's yeah. it. But this is basically... The Crow. It, the Crow With cars. and High Plains Drifter. High Plains Drifter. It's, it's High Plains Drifter. Yeah. And this 
fucking Sherilyn Finn is gorgeous as hell she in this is movie. Insanely hot. Yeah. Oh my god. She. I must have said it like three times when we were watching the movie. Just goddamn, she's pretty. Yeah. I've always thought she was one of the most beautiful women ever. Oh yeah. And it just this film. Honestly, I think her high point for me, like where I think she was like the pinnacle of goddamn gorgeous, was boxing Helena. Mm, okay. I mean, she just is like a, a photograph in them. Just not even a photograph, like a like a painting. Like someone created that as a piece of art. I just think she's stunning. But in here, she ain't no slouch. She's fucking no. gorgeous. So she is. <laughs> she uh, works at a burger place, and she is in a small desert town, Arizona. I'm telling you, deserts. If you live in a desert, get the fuck out. Well, you know why. It's or at least why because you have long empty roads. Exactly. Yeah. At least for filming purposes, yeah. because if you tried to film a movie like that around here, you wouldn't get very far. But also because we have lakes all over the place, yeah. you don't. But have these long are specifically stretches. car movies and shit like yeah. that. You need big long stretches of empty road. Yeah, and they can uh, achieve that. Yeah, and they do. Uh, this is about a. A gang with Nick Cassavetes' lead. They are the most 80s gang ever. Oh my God. You got one high school Letterman football guy. You have one guy who sniffs like WD-40 and is just totally whacked. Yes, skank. He is just out of his gourd the whole movie. You got some guy running around in a little pink half shirt, but he's calling everybody else the F slur and just, you know... It is like, dude, you need to look in a mirror. You you've got some issues yourself. You you're obviously you know taking your inner hate and just pushing it on other people. You're not fooling anyone. And then you got Clint Howard, the geeky car rughead. guy. Yeah, rughead. So it just I love only in the eighties would you have these gangs of like people. They're totally fucking different, yet they're all in a gang together. Just, grr, we're bad guys. <laughs> yeah, and they are basically car thieves. Yeah. I mean, they they force you, and they're thieves because they force people to race against them. And yeah, they you, come up and you they... You lose the race, you, you lose your car. And I don't, how, don't know how that works. All you have to do is go to the sheriff and go, yeah, these guys made me race them, yeah. and then they took my car. And that is still theft. They don't even take their pink slips at the time of the race. So, like, you don't legally own that car. All I have to do is report it stolen. But whatever. It They've been... They kind of run this town, I guess. You don't ever see any adults other than the sheriff. Yeah. Um, like, nobody has parents, apparently. <laughs> and they... Uh, he also... Nick Cassavetes, who is the leader of the gang, also has sort of just taken Sherilyn Finn and decided that she's his girlfriend, even though she doesn't want to be, but he, everyone is so afraid of him. It doesn't matter. And he's like Stephen King level bully. He is, he will kill you. It's not, he doesn't just like beat people up and take their milk money. He is vicious. And so the, everybody in town is, is terrified of him and no one will stand up to him. But it turns out that he and his gang murdered her boyfriend and charlie sheen shows up in town he's a new guy in town he starts hanging around with her he also starts palling around with the brother of the guy that got killed and they become friends and so he obviously keeps having these run-ins 
with the gang. And then the gang starts, uh, this, oh, there's this also at the same time, Charlie Sheen showed up on a motorcycle, this just car, this black car, the, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interceptor and it was made, it's not a real car. Like it was made specifically. Yeah. And I want to say Chrysler did it. It just shows up and starts racing people. But every time it races someone in the gang, they die. But they die. It's so creepy because they will full on run straight into There's lots of great explosions. Oh my God, the explosions left and right. Yes. Lots of great chase scenes. The soundtrack is amazing. This movie is just, it's, uh, it is a pure joy. But while we were watching it, I even said, I was like, if you watch this movie, you would think that it is a parody of 80s movies. Oh, yeah. Because of all the 80s. It I is mean, like, so 80s. Half shirts, side ponytails, Robert Palmer. It is <laughs> e- 80s everywhere. But it's but legit. It was, yeah, it was made in 1986. This was just our yes. life back then. <laughs> this was just life. So it's brilliant. I love it. It's like a little slice of time. But when they die, like they'll just explode, but then their bodies come out spotless yep only their eyes are missing but there's not a mark on them no burns no cuts no scrapes nothing and it's eerie as hell Mm -hmm. but i don't necessarily consider this a horror film much like the crow yeah um it's more of a revenge film yeah and like high plains drifter it's like a it's honestly it's a modern day western but there's enough darkness and you know death uh, to where, you know, we could sort of squeeze it in here. And I just really wanted to talk about it because well, yeah. I fucking love it. That was the main reason. I I think I'm the one who picked this one. And it was just because I love this movie. There's a car. It's killing people. It fits. So, yeah. boom, we're watching it. This was one of those movies that Samantha and I used to watch. Uh, Samantha was my best friend. She would spend every weekend with me and she stayed with me all summer, every summer. And this is one of those movies we would watch religiously. Just all the time. You know, we would quote from it all the time. It means a lot to me. And I adore it. And I implore you, if you've never seen The Wraith, please do. It is so much fun. If you like, I mean, I guess there could be some people out there, Zoomers or Gen Z or whatever, who don't like, quote, old stuff. And they might not get it or they might think it's corny. Well, you can't get any more actual 80s than you can in this movie. So if you want to know what it was really like, (laughs) then this is it. Like, this is a snapshot of 1986. I mean, hell, I dressed like these people. You know, this, like, this speaks to me. And I love the music. I love the, and just the, uh, the number of just high power explosions. And remember that one at the end, there's one at the end where it's just a roll. Just Mm -hmm. they roll down the hill fully engulfed in flames like they didn't cheap out on this and not only does it roll down the hill in flames and then you know explode when then it cuts away to a reaction from i think it's randy quaid at the time like standing at the top but when it cuts back it's still burning in the brush so they didn't give a fuck about and this is in the middle of the desert it's dry as hell which means that they were in real danger of setting this whole place on fire, but they let that car Yeah, burn. but it's also the deserts. So maybe they don't have much to burn there. Yeah. Well, where, bushes where it was, stuff. there was a lot of brush, but it, um, I mean, obviously they didn't have any issues with it, I guess, but 
it's just I'm like they didn't care. You know, they yeah. they went for it. And I'm sure they had safety precautions in place to put the fires out if necessary, but it just it you don't normally see that. Once you see a car explode and it cuts away, it doesn't usually cut back to watch it burn. <laughs> but they cut back so you can watch it burn. Still and burning. That is I just thought that was notable. You know, there're just so many things like that that just show the amount of love that I think went into this film. Yeah. I feel like it did. I know it had a lot of problems during the production. And I think part of that had to do with the Interceptor. I don't remember everything. I did actually watch a commentary on this many, many, many years ago. So I don't know. I don't remember it all. But I do recall there being some issues during production. But it, it doesn't show. No. You would never know it. It is um, just fucking fun. And uh, yeah, we... Well, I give it a straight up five and Ryan's not too far behind me though with a 4.5. I give it a 4.5 out of five. It Once again, it could be a little bit tighter. Not everything in it needs to be in it, but it is a damn good movie between really like and love it. So, <laughs> I mean, and you know, if I watch it tomorrow, I might just give it a straight up five. It depends on how it hits me. But as of right now, yeah, 4.5 out of five. We now go to... Well, hell, you might as well bring us into this one because it's a 70s TV movie and that has your name written all over. I'm Clint Walker. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad it didn't also have Peter Graves. (laughs) That would have been awesome. I love it when Clint Walker and Peter Graves are together and it's just, they're having a man off. Uh, But this is Killdozer from 1974. And yes, it was a 1974 TV movie with Clint Walker in the lead, which is awesome. Also, before Maximal Overdrive, before Christine, before the car, even before, well, no, what was Duel? 71. Okay. Not necessarily before Duel, at least not this movie, but this is based off a short story or a novella written by Theodore Sturgeon. I think he wrote it back in the 50s. So this is like the original killer car. Okay, it's not a car, it's a bulldozer, but killer automobile kind of thing uh story so credit where credit's due yeah and i honestly while we were watching it i said i think this film inspired stephen king to write trucks yeah because it is very similar into like there is a meteorite that falls from the sky lands on this island and off the coast of africa where these guys are doing construction work i don't know like, I don't understand what they're doing, but I don't really pay that much attention to those details. Somebody then, hits the rock with a big, huge bulldozer. Suddenly, blue light goes from the rock into the bulldozer, and now we have... A sentient bulldozer. That's angry. Angry. and <laughs> it, it just wants to kill people. It's puttering around killing people in just amazing ways. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not gory because it's, made for TV. it's a TV movie, so most of the kills are kind of are bloodless screen yeah. and totally bloodless but i still think it's a really fun movie well it is yeah. and the idea and i like the way that they isolate them to like they can't just drive away from it they can't just call someone every time they try to do something there's a reason that they're isolated and because of where they are and um this uh bulldozer is just wreaking havoc yeah it's not fast but there ain't a big area for them to run to, so this thing's just always chasing them. It's always on their ass. And it's, you know, it's also smart. 
gets taken out their fuel and explosives uh, that they could use against it. It fucks up the radio. It knows they're going to try to ambush it at a certain point, so it gets there before them and then ambushes the ambushers. So it's just, it's, again, fun. This, this bulldozer with such a malicious intelligence just wanting to kill people. And at the very end, you get an awesome bulldozer versus steam shovel fight. Yeah. that I mean, that had to be right out of some dinosaur movie. They look like two dinosaurs, like a Triceratops and a Brontosaurus fighting each other. <laughs> yeah. And that actually, that shot was my profile picture for a while. But uh, anyway, yeah, this is a fun movie. I, it's not ranked as highly as the other ones on the list. I think this may be the lowest ranked one, but really that's just because there's not a lot to it. No. You know. Again, they should have sped things up. They could have used some editing. I mean, it's a made-for-TV movie, so they have a certain time block they must fill. So you have a lot of scenes of people sitting around talking. Mm-hmm. And not about important stuff. And not even so much, you know, developing their character or anything like that. It's just... It's filling time. So there is a bit too much of that. And then, yeah, the fact that all the violence, everything is off screen. Nothing is ever shown. It is what it is, though. So that stuff... It has kitsch value. It does. And that's why I do like this movie. I mean, I we both give it a 3.5, which is between liking it and really liking it. Mm-hmm. But it does have a few stumbling blocks uh, that do get in the way of elevating it any higher that doesn't mean you shouldn't watch it no doesn't mean i don't like it it just it's the truth Mm -hmm. you know i don't love it so yeah that is killdozer it should get extra points just for the title i love that killdozer that was from 1974 we now go to 1986 back to emilio estevez back to emilio estevez and a whole lot of cocaine at least that was what was behind this movie. And of course, it's the one, the only, Maximum Overdrive. And this was just Stephen King totally off his nut on coke. He got sick of how other people made his movies, so he was going to show them how it's done, and I'm going to scare the hell out of you. Yeah, he didn't. No. (laughs) There's a reason why he only ever directed one movie. (laughs) Because this movie is a bit of a mess. I do love it. Well, again, I say that a lot. Technically, I don't love it. I do really like it. Um, I give it a four out of five. It is a lot of fun. And it's just a big, goofy, silly, stupid, fun movie. You know what? It's never really scary. I mean, there's no tension. It's, but whatever. I enjoy this movie so much. Yeah, I gave it a three then, and I that I don't know why. This should be a three point five. Okay, because I, I I don't like it less than I like Killdozer. <laughs> I don't really love it though. And it's a movie I've seen a lot, like whether I want to or not. For whatever reason, I'm always watching this movie. Like yeah. there was one year I watched it three times because for ve- different reasons, you know, different shows I was doing mm. or whatever. And I'm just like, God damn, I'm always watching this movie. But it's never, it's never because I go, hey, I want to watch Maximum Overdrive. There's always another reason. But I do enjoy it. I love the Coke machine kill. <laughs> I love like, you know, as he's riding down the road, you see the dead dog with the toy car. The radio There's 
a steamroller that rolls over a kid. Yes, yes. That is awesome. That's amazing. And, you know, you get arcade machines. Basically, something happens. You don't know what until the very end. But all the machines go crazy. And that means cars and trucks and planes and hair dryers and electric carving knives and whatever. Anything that has any sort of circuitry or electricity going through it goes nuts. They become smart and they become homicidal. But not always because you get the couple driving in their car that never goes ballistic. Mm -hmm. And there's other things that don't change. Well, the little... I've always thought it was weird that little... um, I don't know what it is. Like a little Jeep thing, little baby thing. And they... With the gun mounted on it. Nothing ever happens with that. Well, that is driving itself. It can't do much, but that's why it's bringing the gun. And I don't know how the gun itself gets possessed. That is a simple machine. There's no moving... Nothing... There's nothing electrical. Yeah, there's nothing moving or motivating that machine other than a chemical reaction every time you squeeze every time you squeeze the trigger and it fires around, then it cycles and blah 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 blah. So yeah, that is a bit much, but again, fun. (laughs) I don't care. I enjoy it. I love this movie. It has all the good Stephen King-isms, except maybe bullies. I don't know if there has any bullies. No. But it has, like, the crazy preacher guy who's really a dirtbag. It has the hard-working man with, you know... He's he's a bit shady, but he has a heart of gold. Um, it has the clever kid, you know, who's far more clever than he should be. But, you know, whatever, Stephen King kid. And on and on it goes. And Yardley Smith. And Yardley Smith, who just... Curtis! Curtis! Get me out of here, Curtis! <laughs> Her voice can... I like... am your wife! <laughs> Her voice can just shatter glass, man. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, but uh, Coke Field fun. Yeah. And as for, I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. No, you're not. This movie's not scary at all in any way, shape, or form. But again, it's fun. I enjoy it. It's mayhem. It's stupidness. It is a slice of 80s. It's got an ACDC soundtrack. It's it's right in my wheelhouse. We made you! <laughs> like that... Per- I, I, I don't know what it is. I guess I do know what it is. It's the coke. But yes. the performances that he pulled out of the people in this movie is just... It's astounding. <laughs> because I guarantee you he's behind the camera. They would do it once and he's like, no, give me more, crazier. <laughs> yeah, this is a great movie. I always enjoy watching it. And again, I keep always calling this movie fun because I really can't call it good, but it is fun. Yeah. So, you know, Jamie says she gives it now an amended 3.5. I give it a four. I just really enjoy this movie every time I watch it. Well, hell, this is another 70s... Yep. Was this a TV movie, too? Uh... I don't think so. I don't think so. No. No. Okay, well, you want to talk about it? Uh, this is Race with the Devil from 1975, and it stars Peter Fonda and Warren Oates. You know, and Peter Fonda is an actor that I've always liked. I don't know why. Did he stop acting? What happened to him? I know he's still alive, I think. He did a bunch of movies, but yeah, I think eventually he just quit. Uh, He doesn't have to, obviously. 
he's part of the whole Fonda dynasty. Know, dynasty, so yeah. he ain't hurting for money or anything. Yeah, but uh, oh, and it also has Loretta Swit and uh, from Mash, and this is two couples in a Winnebago. They're headed to Aspen to do in the some, desert to do some skiing, but they're driving through the deserts of Texas. To I get tell to you, Aspen. if you guys live in a desert, get the fuck out. <laughs> and they pull over one night in their RV, and the guys are drinking and they're wandering around the woods, and they happen to stumble across a ritual being performed during which a woman gets stabbed, and then Loretta Swit, who is the wife of Peter Fonda. No, no, no. Uh, Warren Oates. Yeah. Uh, she's like yelling out the door of the RV. And they're like, shut up, shut up. You know, turn off the light. And she just keeps yelling and not listening. And so like the a woman. cult sees them. And then, I yeah, I heard that. <laughs> the cult sees them and starts chasing them. That reminds them. me of you so much. Just, what are you doing? Shh, shh, shh. Why are you shushing me? That is some bullshit. <laughs> Baby, I don't do be that. Be quiet. Be quiet. Why do I want to be quiet? No, I don't do that. Turn the light off. Why? And then you would turn a light on. So you. It is not. You're just making <laughs> shit up. But then the cult starts chasing them. I mean, like, physically chase, like, running them down. They try to get away in the RV. They get stuck in a hole, but then they get out and they keep going. And these guys are, like, climbing on the back and breaking the windows and shit. And they... Finally get away from them, and they get to the police in town. And the police seem like they're going to do something. But naturally, but they don't really. when they come back, it looks like, oh, they just killed a dog, and I ain't seen any tracks. And the cops kind of believe them, but kind of don't. And so they say, we'll look into it, but don't worry, we'll take care of it. You just go on your merry way. So they do. They go back to their vacation, which is strange. If I was, you know having a vacation, and I saw somebody get murdered, and then a bunch of crazy people started chasing me, I think their vacation might be over. Yeah, I mean, let's just go on to Aspen. No, I'm not I'm not really in the mood to do that anymore. <laughs> Plus, the Winnebago is kind of limping along. But... But the whole rest of the movie is one big, long chased. chase. Yeah. And not necessarily a chase chase, but it is, they're being followed, and every time they try to get help... The cult is out there to try to cut them off or silence them. And this cult is far-reaching. Yes. And also, well, that's the whole point of the movie is who can you trust? Because you don't know who is in the cult. When they saw the cultists, they were all wearing hoods and masks and all that. So now anybody can be a Satanist. Yeah, so there's a lot of paranoia. Yes. There's a lot of mistrust. And I like the scenes where they'll just go to a restaurant and then, you know, you start looking around. And, and you see people you just see watching just, them. Yeah, and they could just be, you know. Yeah. They could just have happened to catch their eye at the same time. But they also could be part of this cult that is continuing to chase them all across fucking Texas. But... It's got a lot of great action scenes, yeah. some cool explosions, some, um, like just, I get, I get a kick out of it. It's a, I think it's a lot of fun. Plus it's the whole satanic cult thing. You had me at that. Oh yeah. Um, and some really great actors. Like it's just, 
it's a good movie. I think it's a good movie. I enjoy it so much. And it, well, actually, we both give it a four out of five. So oh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Now, I will say I have a problem with how useless the women are in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I hate that. I hate when some guy is like busting his ass, trying to fight off the monster or the killer or and whatever it is. And the woman is in the background biting her knuckle going, ah, ah, yeah, ah. Bitch, help. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, honey. No, no, don't worry. I got this. See, <laughs> you just sit there and go. Ah! And you know, if that were to happen to us, like you wouldn't have to wonder where I was. I'd be all up in there. <laughs> I'd be coming at him like a spider monkey. <laughs> yes, you would, baby. <laughs> I'd have to hold you back. <laughs> you would like they wouldn't have to worry about you. They'd have to worry about me uh, because if anybody messes with you, I will rend them. I know. <laughs> but uh, okay. Well, we're now at the final movie. Yes. The final car movie of our planes, trains, and automobile Halloween 2022 extravaganza. And again, I think all of our automobile flicks have been solid. And this is a hell of a way to go out. Oh my God, yeah. This is another movie movie I've seen countless times. Oh yeah. Uh, I just adore it. Uh, this is The Hitcher from 1986. And it stars C. Thomas Howell and Rutger Hauer and Jennifer Jason Lee. And uh, C. Thomas Howell is a guy who's delivering a car um, across country. He's, he's doing driving a, through the desert. He's doing a... <laughs> oh, what's... It is through the desert. You're right. Every movie is set in a desert. What? Uh, a driveway. He's uh, doing a driveway. Where ba- he's, he's going there anyway, so... He found, you know, found out, which actually, this is a really cool thing. I don't know if it's a real thing. I've never done it uh, or known anybody who's done it. But if you're going from, like, say, California to Florida, then I guess somehow you can get hooked up with a car that needs to be delivered from California to Florida and you just drive it. Yeah. You know, there, and you get paid. And then you are delivering this car and that's your transportation to where you want to go. That's a really sweet idea. Yeah. I don't know if anybody actually does that, but it's cool. I always thought it was cool. But he's driving through the desert and he keeps seeing this. It's in the rain. He sees this hitchhiker on the side of the road and he picks him up and it's Rucker Hauer. And he starts to get really creepy. So really fast, he, yeah. really creepy, really fast. So he kicks him out of the car. But then later on, um, he sees there's a family who is traveling. And I love this, too, because it's so realistic. You know, like when you're on a road trip, you kind of get to know the cars that mm-hmm. are also road tripping alongside you because you're constantly passing each other and stuff. Yeah, especially if you're going for a long distance on a lonely road, yeah. you're going to see the same car again and again and again. So he sees this family in a station wagon. And who is in the back? The Rucker Howard. Yeah, essentially Rucker Howard is a freaking psycho. And now he becomes fixated on C. Thomas Hall because he kicked him out of the car and he one-upped him. So now he's like, ooh, a worthy opponent. But he's not just trying to kill him. He fucking tries to ruin his yeah, life. He and messes with him. He sets him up for murder. He. Yeah. I mean, that police station scene. Yeah. Where he come, where C. Thomas Howell is in is in jail, and then suddenly he can get out of jail, and he's walking around the police station, and everybody—it's like a. It Halloween looks like the five, Terminator you know? went through that place. Oh yeah, I mean, just body parts everywhere. Everybody's dead. Like even the dog. Like fingers he, in French fries. 
<laughs> but he's going to be blamed for this. And yeah. there's no way he can prove that he didn't do it. Because Rutger Hauer, he's like a wraith. He just comes in, he fucks shit up, and then he disappears. So he's always leaving C. Thomas Howell holding the bag, or the gun, or the bloody knife, or the severed finger. And, you know, he just goes on his merry little way. But he's always following him to continue to fuck with him. Yeah. And Rutger is amazing. I think he's amazing in pretty much everything he ever does, but specifically here. He plays a psychopath just great. And, uh, you know, everybody does good work here. See, Thomas Howell is good. Jennifer Um, Jason Lee annoys me like she usually does because she doesn't open her fucking mouth when she talks. (laughs) I hate that. But he meets Jennifer Jason Lee, who is a waitress in a diner that he stops in to, and they kind of get like hooked up together she gets sort of wrapped up in this whole thing and then um it all comes to a head toward the end but this is kind of like this actually a lot of this reminds me of joyride but with a hitchhiker rather than a truck yeah you can see that and it's just suspenseful as hell it's shot beautifully it was made by eric red wasn't it um it's well he wrote the story i don't think he directed it oh robert Hammond directed it, but don't know who that is. Uh, it's really good. There was a remake a few years back, well, so like 15 years back, with Sean Bean. Yeah, and I like Sean Bean, but he's no Rucker Howard. Well, and it just didn't need no. the only thing they did was switch the genders, yes, because then he was chasing a woman and she met a guy, and that's it, like, that's the only difference. But it's don't bother, and if you have seen that one and you didn't think it was all that great but you've never seen the original go watch the original because Rucker Hauer is incredible and he's so scary and this is such a good movie it is so iconic yet I don't think it's ever had a decent release Mm. I mean we still have it on DVD I'm pretty sure yeah I don't know if it's ever come out on Blu-ray and the DVD we have is pretty bare bones I think, I think like many HBO films, now this, it doesn't mean this was made for the HBO cable station, but I think they're the company that put it out. And for a long time there, a lot of the movies, they didn't give a fuck about them. I mean, hell, one of my favorite movies is Cast a Deadly Spell. Yeah. That's never been released on any disc, any format other than VHS. And that is a fucking crying shame. Man, and that even has t-shirts. I got you a t-shirt yes. for that movie. Well, because it's a great movie and people love it, but for whatever reason, they're like, you know what? We hate money. We're not going to bring this out. I mean, all you have to do is license it to uh, Scream Factory or Arrow. Arrow or they Synapse. Would be, they or would be over the fucking moon to release it. But nope. Fuck you. You ain't going to happen. Hmm. And that's the same with this. Somebody put this out on a good Blu-ray, 4K, whatever. Throw in some special features. You could do this movie right. And it has a ton of fans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is another one that we used to watch all the time. And, well, because this came out in 86. It was around, like, uh, this was during our, like, 86 to 88 we would just watch the same movies over and over again and practically on repeat. There's a bunch of them, but they were just, it would just cycle through. And it was this and The Wraith and, <laughs> you're going to love, uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2. <laughs> Not even the good one. God. I, I just love that movie. Anyway, yeah, this was a huge part of my teenage years. I had such a big crush on C. Thomas Howell and 
Rucker Hauer scared the crap out of me. <laughs> so yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you know, it's uh really really good, really suspenseful. Uh, just if you've never seen it, please do. Uh, you will, and then you can tell us thank you because yes. it's totally worth your time. And if you know of a Blu-ray or whatever, a good copy of this movie that I somehow missed, let me know. Because I would love to get a better version of this in our library. I'll um, go online and see if I can find I it. Do, like yeah, I do that every once in a while, but I've, I haven't done it in a few years. But I just, I've never found anything for this. Hmm. That's a shame, because it totally deserves it. Yes. But, all right, well, that was the last one. Well, oh, we both give it five out of five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, that's probably not a surprise. Yeah. But, yeah, that is the last one that yep. we have rounded out our Halloween season with. Screech to a halt, as they say. Mm -hmm. And then what's left is just our regular Halloween watches, which is... Halloween 1, Halloween 2, Halloween, Halloween 3, 3, Halloween um, now 2018, WNUF, uh, WNUF, Trick or Treat. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, I don't think there's enough hours in a day anymore. <laughs> we need a, we need a good out. editor to come in and <laughs> trim this back some. But I hope you guys have enjoyed this extra long episode. Yeah. Because we've just been... Running our mouths about all these. It's kind of like a bloated version of the collection is what it ends up being like, you know. But I hope you've enjoyed that. I hope you've enjoyed your Halloween season. I hope you've had a lot of fun. And be safe. Have a good time. But uh, let us know. Were you watching anything? Are there any of these movies that you haven't seen, but now you're going to try to? Are there any of these movies that you love as much as we do or think we're crazy for loving like we do or any of that? You know, the usual stuff. Is there a planes, trains, or automobiles horror movie that we didn't watch that you think we we really should have? Like, it's a favorite of yours, other than Christine, obviously. But uh, we didn't watch it, and you really think we should. No, Let us good, know. Yeah. This was honestly, I think, one of our more fun lists that we've done for Halloween. Yeah. Um, I it was very diverse, even though it doesn't sound like it would be. It was. Yeah. And again, Except I was just, desert. I wanted to see if we could do it. And I was surprised at how easy it was to do. Yeah. You know, we did have a few like, oh, that damn train movie with Tony Todd. West of Hell. Yeah. That was a blind watch and I'm. I really regret it. <laughs> and, you know, some of the airplane movies weren't, you know, at least that one was the okay. Movie. Yeah. Or, yeah, the asylum one wasn't even okay. It was just meh. But uh, the cars did not let us down. No. Uh, they was, those were all bangers. Mm -hmm. So, I guess that's it, guys. Yeah. That's it for Halloween 2022. Yeah. Hope you had a good one. And we will see you on the other side. Happy Halloween! Ooh. From the House of Salmons. <laughs> Ooh. Spooky. Thank you for visiting the House of Salmons. We hope to see you back very soon. Until then, come chat with Brian and me on our Facebook group page at Horror in the House of Salmons. And if you like what we do here and want to hear some bonus episodes, consider being a patron at patreon.com slash house of salmons. Special thanks to Rick Morgan for composing our theme music.